This is the Post America Podcast. That's right, motherfucker. What the fuck you know about podcasting? This is our shit. Post America. Macho Black, Richie Crutch, Chrissy the Baboon. Post America Podcast, son. Download that shit, motherfucker. All right. So, we're very excited because we have uh, our good friend with us, the one man who can out-talk all three of us combined. Yeah, that's true. Our friend Joe Hardcore is here. And you caught us right in the middle of a conversation. So, boys, pick it right up. All right. So, we're discussing. Joe, you are a Freemason. Yes. Master Mason. Master Mason. That's pretty cool. I'll be honest, I'm not exactly sure what that means. And I bet a lot of, most of the listeners probably don't really truly know what that means. They've heard of a Freemason, either. surely, but they don't the, know the details. The Freemasonry that they see in the conspiracy theories are where there's a group of ultra elite white people that meet and kind of pick out the future of the world. That is not, that's like, you know, like how we say the 1%. In Freemasonry, that would be like the. 0.001%. Freemasonry are everyday American citizens. And sounds like a commercial. It really is. It's a it's a it's, a, it's everyday American and Freemason <laughs> everyday American citizens. Uh, there was a time when men left the house and joined civil groups to uh, civics groups to work on the foundation of their neighborhoods. My specific lodge is named after William L. Elkins, who actually Elkins Park, Pennsylvania is named for. This is an industrial person, a tradesman. He has a mansion that's on the market for $12 million right now. His like estate. Uh, this guy was in business in the 1800s with other people like Wanamaker to make Philadelphia and better. So I look at the old Freemasonry as, oh yeah, these people controlled things because they were the people who were like networking, you know, I'd say network. And so the, people who actively were trying to make things better or had absolutely. plans and trying to improve a- on life. Absolutely. And the way it's seen is the control of society was, it wasn't like if you, you know, the way that all commerce works, two people have some synergy with their businesses. They work to make things better. And, you know, um, the Shriners, you know, the guy with the funny hats and the fezes, that's an offshoot of the Freemasons, and it was a bunch of firefighters and police officers who wanted to create burn victim hospitals and stuff. You know, like the benevolence and the charity work of the Freemasons is overlooked to talk about the conspiracy aspect. So a lot of people who look at Freemasons, oh, you know, you got, you're doing this. It's like, dude, I pour concrete for a living. You know, like I'm, I'm a regular person, and Freemasonry for me was a chance as a fatherless white male to get around older white men who have already been grandfathers and fathers and be like, Oh, this is what it's like to like have someone say, Hey, this is what you want to do with your money. Like we have, we have people who are business account managers for banks. We have people who have, you know, ran businesses for 30 years. It's kind of like their purpose is to make good men better. That's the purpose of Freemasonry. And that's kind of like the interesting aspect when I joined the lodge 10 years ago was being exposed to what happens when we're not hanging around with hardcore people or like random punk people. Like here's grown ass men who like legitimately, how can we do better for people? You know? So what you were saying right when we started the the recording is that your lodge is one of the few 
lodges that lets in colored that folk. lets in black people. Yes. Oh, black. Right. Yeah. We now, know. is this one of the few ones in in Pennsylvania or in, anywhere? I believe I can't speak for out, every state <clears throat> has its own jurisdiction. So, like Pennsylvania has its own jurisdiction. If you go right across the river, they do different things in New Jersey versus Delaware, New York. And it's interesting because I have friends all over. Everyone does it a little differently. In Pennsylvania, we have had a surplus of Masons after years of declining membership. And one of the best aspects of modern Freemasons, like in my 10 years, has been seeing more non-white males be able to join our lodge. And our lodge previously had... um, like a president, what they call the worshipable master. It's like a position in the lodge. Wow. We had a Turkish worshipable master who wasn't a white guy. He took his oath on the Quran, you know, and that's that's a beautiful thing because I think for Freemasonry to be looked at, it's always been separated by the Prince Hall Masons, which Prince Hall was a, a born free black man in Massachusetts who was given the jurisdiction to start his own Freemason body, wow. known as Prince Hall Freemasons. And it was segregated Freemasonry. But in Philadelphia, because of the just the buildup and just the amount of people who are black Freemasons, our Prince Hall Lodge works closely with our regular lodge. So we kind of benefit from being a still mostly black city that we have a better connection with the Prince Hall. And I've had two of my friends who are black join our lodge. And I think that the old guard of, oh, you can't have this guy is breaking away, you know? And there's still stuff that, like, this is funny, and I could say this, and, you know, Freemasons might be bummed. When I first became a Freemason, one of the things you had to say was, a man freeborn. And they took that out. Like, that's racist. Like, we're done with that. It doesn't matter. You know, like, because you're essentially saying, I'm not a slave. You know, so that, I think that being out of the language was a big part. I'm just getting black guys, you know, we don't talk about it much, but there is a society where some black males want to be in their own black society. So mm-hmm. kind of like, how can you ask a black guy to do that if one of the O's is, well, it's a man freeborn. You would, you would, you as a black man would say, fuck does that mean? So I think it's opening up a path for more people of this generation to respect Freemasonry because it is truly open to many things. Can yeah. you get us in? Ask one to be <clears> one. <throat> Could you get us right to the top though? We don't want to play any games. <laughs> <laughs> These days they have a Freemasonry thing where if you wanted to, you could take the one day Masonic journey and instead of learning a lot of the things that's cool about be working your way up to be a master mason, you would just watch people get their degree and then you would call yourself a master mason. And I know people that have done that. I think it's watered down some of the initial brotherhood. It's a, it's that's crazy. I'm not, I'm not, I don't that's know anything. <laughs> yeah, but listen, I don't know anything about it, but it, to me, that's like, listen, like, it's, it's, it's a Pennsylvania masonry thing they use to, bolster numbers and get people who are very busy with their lives and busy with their family. The positive was that this guy doesn't have to spend all this time working their way up to get the, through the three degrees from an apprentice, uh, fellow craft to a master mason. Because let's face it, a lot aren't starting at a young age. Exactly. And their family so members. And in, the, in, their 30s in fact, and 40s uh, and, in a separate, in a separate situation, in, in my time, I've watched more males probably in their late 40s, early 50s, whose parent or grandparent was a Mason. And they were so secretive in the old days. They were afraid, the younger groups were afraid to say, hey, dad, what's this all about? Mm. So these guys would come to us and say, my father or my grandfather passed. I found that he's a Mason. What do, 
what like what do I have to do? And one of the things I did in my lodge would meet people who would email our lodge and ask about membership, and then like formally kind of like suss them out. They sent you to meet these people. They sent me. I'm That's the guy. The I'm the guy. Joe I'm comes guy. knocking at your door. Uh, <laughs> so um, the one day journey in Pennsylvania was a way to kind of. Um, speed up the process to get these guys fully involved. And you, what is it? You, I'm assuming you pay more for that. You no. have to pay a price or something. No. Or no. How does that, how, <clears throat> all right. I guess like what I'm saying is how is that fair to the guy who worked his ass off and did, went through all these, jumped all these hurdles and hoops to get to where he's at. And then somebody else can just do it in a day. So how, how is that? The best way to put this is that you'll see people touting being a 32nd degree. I love when people tell me, yeah, my grandpa was a 32nd degree. It's like, this isn't like karate with eight, be- like eight stripes in your belt. Everybody's a master mason. And then your lodge position in your lodge matters. But as a whole, we're all brothers. Once you're a master mason, you're fully in. Um, one of the th- best things that ever happened to me as a Freemasonry is I joined the group of people that would visit sick and shuddering veterans and like a, of our lodge, like old members. And we go to these like places where these people are in hospice. And I have no connection to my grandparents whatsoever. I have no emotion about old people, not really been around them. So this is like insanely hard for me. And I went there. We talked to this gentleman who was uh, very high up in our lodge in the 70s when Gerald Ford was president. And I asked him, I said, what do you think the most important lesson you learned as a Freemason was? And this is a man he can't get up. He's got shit through his nose. His family won't come visit him. He's on his deathbed. He hasn't seen anybody in months. He was like crying that people came to visit him. And he's like, I learned as a Freemason, we went to Washington for a special assembly. And Gerald Ford, as a president, didn't let his security detail come in because they weren't Masons. And he said, I'm more safe with the guys in there than you because these are my brother. And in the lodge, you can sit on the two sides of the lodge and seats or you can sit up if you're a special person like up in the top. And he sat with the assembly of brothers and he said, here's a sitting president sitting with the brothers as a brother. And that was really impactful that like getting in doesn't matter as much as when you are in what you're doing with your time. So like, I don't care if it takes you a day, 30 days, three years, if you're in and you're starting to understand the work and the craft, that's the more important thing of Freemasonry. Wow. I remember shit, a story. Man. My uncle's a Freemason. He told me a story about uh, in the Civil War, the Union soldiers had some rebels locked down. They were Masons. Yeah. And at night, they take them to their homes. Yeah, they would always take care of them. And then back in the daytime, take them back to jail. Yeah. Wow. But they'd feed them and let them sleep at, at their own homes at night. Because there's a there's a bond. And, and the, the idea from an outside point of view is a secret society and like, we can dissect the 1700s America and Freemasonry in Philadelphia and how Ben Franklin went to France and how that connection helped the American Revolution. But the average person aren't these people. Mm-hmm. The average persons aren't at that level. They just go. It was a way to get out of their house, get away from the wife, go out, go through the motions of the meeting, do some benevolent work, have a dinner, maybe share a beer and have something else besides work to talk about. And that's when the Christian kind of like the Catholic said, you can't, you know, had the papal bull, 
you cannot be a, um, a Freemasonry satanic. And that's when they had all the different, the orders of the moose orders of the Eagle, because those people wanted to stay on the good side of their religion, but still have their own mm -hmm. benevolent society. So they were born out of the, the like Catholic, uh, like prejudice against yeah. Freemasons. That's why yeah. there's a moose. And that's an why and that's what that the, the Knights of Columbus are like the Walmart version of the Freemasons. Because wow. the Catholics were not allowed to be not allowed by Rome to be a member, so they would come up with their own. Well, I want my own special group. That's why there's the Eagle, the Moose, mm -hmm. all these things. Because you hear about a bunch of guys that go off and oh, what do you guys do? I can't talk about it. It's a secret, mm -hmm. you know, like oh, it's a secret. <laughs> but really, it's that a bunch just makes of people want to yeah, know. Yeah, and they're like, is, what yeah. is it? Well, then I'm gonna have my own secret <laughs> and I'm gonna do my own thing and all these different orders. You know, I, I'm sorry for saying that the Knights of Columbus was like a broke ass, but it was like a Italian-American Catholics way of having their own secret society. You know what these guys did? They the built, they, they would give money to the neighborhood. They would do these things, you know. In our time, we've done uh, things for women's shelters. We brought tons of, uh, one year we did with the shows, we collect a lot of coloring books for these females who were being abused, just so their kids who are also in these shelters could have coloring books. You know, you have a bunch of little old men with a lot of time and are retired who want to get the hell out of the house and do good for people. And I think that's what people don't see in Freemasonry. It's not these like Dr. Claw kind of like we're going to take over the world people. Like those mm -hmm. people are now on TV every day out in front of you. They're Jeff Bezos. Those are the people. The Freemasons are these little old guys who are like, you know, it would be a really good idea if we had a pancake breakfast. We could raise some money for something. Mm. It's really interesting. I love all of that secret society stuff. Yeah. I think that's just like a human thing or like a man thing, 100%. maybe. Like we all love that shit, yeah. especially when you know that somebody has a secret. It's almost, it, you know, you don't want to ask them what's your secret. You want to say, oh, well, I got secrets too. Yeah. And then you start your own secret. Well, that's, that's, literally what that's street gangs. Yeah. yeah. Political Everybody. affiliations. Well, it's, the nature, it's the nature of humanity and men specifically to want to be in uh, special in a group mm -hmm. like well this is my group oh how come oh I'm not in that group I'll get my own group well you know hey I, you know if I, like there's always a group for some of these people where they create their own group embedded DNA in order to survive for hundreds of thousands of years well, stay in the group yeah mm -hmm. I, 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 I see a lot of stuff that like reminds me like yeah this is why these people do these things you know like it, it all comes mm -hmm. from people wanting to just be a belong to something I some use, person, uh, this is my group with the band I use a lot of odd fellow artwork yeah I like that kind of stuff. I think I that thing know, is like, a Shriner, like the We Never Sleep, that logo, that whole thing. That's yeah. Oddfellow, yeah. yeah. They're kind of like <clears throat> defunct, but they were pretty creepy when they were around in the name well, itself. These, I always liked. There's so many cool cryptics, like symbol. Like, yeah, it's great. And, and and it's just these people that just wanted to be different, you know? And mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of punk rock, especially the Oddfellows, because like, you know, like they were really big in the area of like, you know, they had specific cemeteries and like there's all yeah. the other whole iconography and things like relied like, they didn't want to be like everybody else, yeah. you know? They didn't want to be a moose or anything. When I saw a tombstone from, like, the 1800s and had the odd fellow, like, uh, insignia on it, I was like, whoa. But remember that one I sent you a yeah. picture of? Had Freemason and the odd fellow. Yeah, you could be both. Yeah. There's a lot of people that... Uh, this guy was real creepy. There's a lot of people who... Uh, and in Freemasonry, so you have adjunct bodies. So you're, like, you're a regular master mason, but if you're a Catholic, you can become a Knights Templar. Mm. They call it through the York Rite. Or... You could be a Scottish right if you're not Catholic, and you get to be 32nd degree Mason. Tell everybody I'm a 32nd degree Mason. 
They think you're like a wizard. <laughs> you're just like, now, historically, <laughs> you know, like, Philly probably has one of the oldest. Oldest, right? Yeah, I mean, we were um, as early as the 1760s. Ben Franklin, in one of the first printed newspapers in the country, actually had written and said a group of Freemasons have been meeting in Philadelphia. Oh, he was not the original. No, no, he just was popping it up. He was not an originator of the lodge. And uh, one of the interesting things is in Pennsylvania, uh, we are ancient. And there, there was a battle between the ancients and the moderns that completely on where you sat during the Revolutionary War. Mm. And if you're an ancient, you kept the old way. An ancient. Chris yeah, so, would be an ancient. So we are ancient free and accepted Masons. And wow. we, our stuff is a little different than some of the more moderns that yeah. took a different thing. But yeah, I mean like. Now can you get me a tour through that joint? Yeah. The secret room's upstairs. <laughs> just, you know, Look how he's he How do I see the scrolls? Yeah. Can we scrolls. see the scrolls? The library? No. The other library. Uh, so Sitting Bull's skull. I want to see that. That's the other shit. I know that. <laughs> That's that other shit. That's that George Bush shit. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool, though, man. And that lodge in Philly looks sick. The best. Unbelievable. It, you saw that a million times. You probably didn't know you were walking inside? by. Yeah, I've never been, been inside. inside no. no, It's beautiful. I, it, I saw the one in, down in D.C. too. That's a crazy been there. We yeah. uh, Our lodge has a 200-plus-year um, celebration. Well, we are one of the one. few lodges that are allowed to put a wreath on George Washington's grave for President's Day. Wow. And we went down there, and our worship verse for the time tebowed, and we got in trouble for him tebowing. Oh, <laughs> no. He Whatever that tebow like thing. Yeah, he, like he, he, the... he tebowed on George Washington's oh. thing. Some of the older Freemasons were not psyched on that. Yeah, that's not, By the, the way, it's like, that's not in the books. Yeah, like that trip That trip was crazy. But that's like <clears throat> that's like the stuff that makes you, like the more ceremonial, the longer you're involved. And as a Philadelphia Freemasonry, if you go to anywhere else, even we have a lodge in Northeast Philly, it's not as opulent. Like our lodge is world level. Like I promise you, it's like, Say this is like the kids will say no cap. I'm not cap. Like you could go on the internet, you could see uh, PA Grand Lodge Museum. Sad they're trying to get us out of actually working as masons in the lodge because then it could be just a museum, and for tax reasons, it's probably better for them. So while we can visit and go to these lodges, they have several different rooms: the Gothic room, the Egyptian room, the Norman room. When's our next Philly show? We gotta go. They have they have meetings. Uh, they have uh, walk. They have tours, guided tours. 11, 12, 1, 2, and 3. And it's it's one of the most beautiful sites in Philadelphia. And that the building is already unreal. They can't build it again. Yeah. We, don't have the te- we don't have the masonry technology to do it at the cost because of how ordained it is. It's like amazing. And it's a gift to be able to be there as a mason. Yo, how about that Mormon temple in Philly now? Brian St. John, former hardcore dude, now kind of missing an action Philly dude, caulked the foot of the angel. Oh, wow. Oh, the horn, dude? Yeah. yeah. Brian St. John went there. Hey, I caulked that. What do you mean? I caulked the foot. What do you mean? He showed me a picture <laughs> when they put the angel up. He caulked the foot. Oh, Every time I see him, I'm like, oh, yeah, Brian St. John. That looks pretty nice. Eagle. I don't really like the Mormons. They're an actual cult. Yeah, I don't I, so, I like the way it looks, though. It's kind of crazy that those guys are in the city. Years ago, they sent some of their guys yeah. down to uh, my old neighborhood. And they got jacked up pretty good. Remember when we were chilling? Yeah. <laughs> we were chilling in like a hoodie spot where Juicy Joel used to live. And a couple Mormons came through. Like they were. Wow. Yo, they Juicy got protected. Joel, They're protected. Yo, Juicy Joel was not okay. He was nasty with, to them. He, he was, was not nasty. okay with us hanging and talking. <laughs> Meanwhile, giant rainstorm yeah. happens. It's me, Ray Ray, Zach, Richie, and Juice. So they come into Joel's garage. In the garage, like right off the street. Joel looks like they smell like shit. He's, He's like, why so the hell in my garage? 
My gay Raj. <laughs> my gay Raj. however he said it. And he was so bummed that we were talking to him. He's like, man, get them out of here. Get them motherfuckers out of here. <laughs> I'm kind of, you know, making yeah. it a little different than his real accent. But. Ray, Ray, Ray didn't even believe there were more. Yo, what's good, motherfucker? You got a, a, a pamphlet for me and shit? He definitely asked for a pamphlet. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Yeah, they he got some sort of. Down, acting like he's reading it. Their protection is their fucking balls. That's yeah. the protection of Mormons. Is remember that we played they Spain in a couple games? Or like too? fearless. Yeah, they knew Wisdom and Change, remember? Yeah. When we played Spain, a couple came to the show. Well, they, they're raised to proselytize. And yeah. so they get to pick where they get to go. Joe knows all about that shit. They, um, they get to pick where they show go them. and they get taught. So, like, when I was building cabinets on Front Street in, in Fishtown, the guy who ran the CNC machine was Mormon from Utah. And they taught him Thai. And he got to live in Thailand for two years. To do his Mormon trek in Thailand. And then he came back. He, but he's like, do you know anybody who can drive a boat, a helicopter, and knows a CNC machine by like 21 and speaks Thai? I mean, they're fantastic, weird people. Yeah. yeah. You know? We're going to be out there this so, month. Yeah. These guys are going to check out State Street. Sa- South State Street. Yeah. I saw. I, that's a cool club. You know what's crazy about that city? If your street is designated north, you're north of the temple. If you're south, you're south. The center of the city, just like Philadelphia with City Hall, is designated, but they do it by name where you're where you're at oriented to the temple itself. Now, is there any oh, other wow. city in America that's all based around a religion? Like Salt Lake City. There's gotta be. There is there though? I would have to I'd have to believe There's that. There's gotta be. I, I've, I've got I've gotta believe that in the Western society, like in all them sand little things, they probably built a church first, would be my Chris, would I'm you, sure. Would you agree I, or disagree? I'm, I'm low level they places, put a tre- but a city. A cre- a well, before first, probably one of the earlier things they put up would sure. be a church. You know, be like would. So I would imagine that. Organic- but to this day, I know the city. I do know this about Mormons is that before they they settled in Salt Lake, they attempted to to set up Mormon cities down the from New York all the way down. Yeah. The East Coast over to somewhere in like uh, around Louisiana or something yeah. like that, and then they went west and then up and ended up in Utah. Yeah. But they tried to set up yeah. the cities the whole way down, and Dude, it changed they just hands. They kept changing like leadership, and there was battles between different factions of Mormons. Yeah. And the winner was Joseph Smith's group that ended up in. Salt Lake, hardest, hardest dude ever. Brigham Young just said, "Let's get some guns. We're gonna go across the fucking." How could a man's name actually be Brigham Young? Yo, sounds like a pedophile. Yo, it sounds like a weird, like the, Rodney the, Dangerfield the joke. Time, or something. The time that Brigham they came Young. across was just like the, the Apache name. Nation and all these like Lakota, all these nations were strong. So whatever they did to get across, yeah, was like by rook or crook. Uh, Joseph Smith stole Freemasonry, and that's Mormonism mm-hmm. is based upon Freemasonry. Yeah. So check this out: Jehovah's Witness, same shit, is based on Mormonism. Dang. So, so you're there's ha- this. So you're, so you're half Freemason already. <laughs> yeah. There's this weird connection <laughs> that goes all the way back, and I've traced this. I know that the the guy who founded Jehovah's Witness was a Freemason. Yeah. He's buried in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, and he has the 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 Freemason symbol on his tombstone yeah and he was it's also like, like a pyramid and he was yeah. also a mormon yeah so i know that the roots are connected to like the thing that i grew up with is connected to those two things well, in particular the, the rituals in freemasonry are simple and if you've ever been to a union meeting you unwittingly took part in pieces of freemason ritual 
because there's oaths that were taken directly from, I can tell you, like I tell you, like when I watch people getting sworn into our union, there's oaths about protecting the country and this that are exactly identical to the oaths when you take an office as a Freemasonry, which obviously, you know, you know, our Freemasons predate everything. So organizationally and meetings wise, the Freemasons have impacted America in very positive ways, you know, mm. very positive ways. You know, what's crazy. So you said earlier about they took the line out of the freeborn oh, man, freeborn. freeborn. Yeah. Okay. Man, freeborn. Uh, um, Free good born. Masonic report, meaning people have spoken on his behalf. Okay. There's a line. Did you notice know like three or four or five stanzas of the the uh, national anthem? No. Like the song is way longer than the part yeah, yeah, yeah. they yeah. sing at yeah. football yeah. games. And there's a line in it about slavery. Yeah. Yeah. In the national yeah. anthem. Let's, I didn't know this until very recent. We're we're not we're not we're not able in our modern mind to accept racist segregational America because we were born, you know, like every one of us on this table was born post civil rights era, you know. So in our mind, everyone's been free. Yeah. But it needs to be said, in 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 both ways of not full condemnation, but accepting that. 300 years ago, shit was a lot fucking different. It was different. It was <laughs> it's like different. so different that like it, it wouldn't even seem out of principle to have that. Yeah. Because slavery was so entwined into the country. It doesn't make it right. It just yeah. was, it was what the fuck it was. So it's so cra- it's, it's, it's hard if, to believe if that. If I heard my son say a word, you know what I mean? Like that, that I grew up with. If I, if I heard my son call somebody a faggot, I would be like, yo, what are you doing? Don't talk like that. Yeah. What's the matter with you? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just and that's simply because it's something I grew up with that I it was normal. I, it was normal, but uh, then we learned through trial and error. You know what I mean? And I feel and bad seeing, when I, I feel bad as a person if I'm angry enough to say it about somebody I'm like really mad at mm-hmm. because we said it as a kid. We were told, don't be a faggot, don't be a pussy. You're not going to be a bitch. Mm-hmm. And then through hardcore punk music, they were told like. The kid Andrew is in this band called Kill the Man of Questions. He's also in Limpress, said to me in California. He's like, when you guys are saying faggot, you're also saying. And I couldn't put them two until that person said it. He said it. And I the heard that before, and I didn't, first, wanna, I didn't want to hear that. In, in yeah. July 99, Dysphoria hit Gilman Street the same time as Kill the Man of Questions came through. And we all played, you know, they ended up all playing the same show. And there was a discourse. And that was one of the hardest things to realize. Especially with Mike Brown being in the band, being a black dude, like we said that like nothing because we didn't. No one, no man had ever said us like, "Hey, kids, don't do that." So I think you're absolutely right. I think we're doing a better job now, instructing the next people, like, "Hey, this isn't cool. Like, yeah. don't do this." It gets better, but it we just, just gets better. It is. So if you just you you look back at like the timeline of uh, just just the steps, you know what I mean? From let's just take America as the 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 test group, yeah. America from the start to America now, things are Learning better. We things were, are better. I think we were They're also, just better. I think better. we were also progressive for quite some time. I think we lost a little progression in, uh, post-World War II because we kind of like got a little insulated and we got a little paranoid. You know, like where England got very much multicultural quick. Only our major East Coast and Western cities got multicultural. It took longer for other cities to get multicultural. And I think that's why, 
you either have the city people of the United States who are mildly multicultural and accepting or completely, this ain't the old ways. Like, what fucking old ways are you talking about? Mm-hmm. You know, like, Tracy Morgan has a really good set of jokes talking about his girlfriend's grandma, and he says, I'd be mad if she didn't say the N-word. <laughs> like, you know, like, he's like, you know, she grew up she grew up in a time 20 years before the civil rights started. Of course she said it. You know, like, America got slow in progression, but for we were a progressive ahead of some of the other stuff. And I think our modern politics are moving us forward. You know, like, you don't hear half of the crazy shit. I can't, I did, I didn't learn from the young kids that uh, white kids don't say <laughs> when they rap, like when they're singing the rap, they don't say, like they, if they're out with their friends, we're at the Eagles celebration. And my kid's like, oh yeah, you're allowed to say that word. I'm like, what do you mean let's say? It? Oh, he says <laughs> word, you're not allowed to say it. I'm like, damn, we spent all the 1990s. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, like, and like, I get schooled now from the young hardcore kids on what the vernacular is and like what's accepted. And it's like, it's kind of like wonderful thing we could do. <laughs> like, like the quote from Monty Python, but like wonderful thing we could do these days. Like these kids are progressing way ahead of what we had to. Yeah, By so the time they're 20, their, their language is better and not so hateful, yeah. you know, because no, they have people looking as opposed to hearing and everything is written. So if you write something like that on the internet, like what we just wrote on the internet, if it's on Twitter, 400 bucks, you can't say that. And we're just having a discussion and saying like how the word is wrong. These kids have to monitor every word they say. So they can't even say it during their discussion, you're saying? I don't even think they could. Probably I, not. Probably yeah. not. Well, so we, can, ha- we can have the discussion because we both yeah. under- we all understand the intent and content that we're trying yeah. to discuss. But this next generation is going to be so much ahead in being open and accepting. You know, is like that, is that very thing right there? Not even understanding context of words. Is that? I think advancing? because I think because their interaction isn't this. Remember hardcore nineteen ninety whatever. You didn't get on the computer to talk to me. You either saw me in person, ran into me, or we talked maybe on the telephone. Mm-hmm. Everything that was about us was face to face, and it was contextual. When you're interacting digitally via text only, context is lost. Mm-hmm. And we well, got the emoji facial expression. I love a GIF. I do a lot of stuff on Twitter via GIF. I think it's fucking hilarious. I it think helps. that is like the, the best. The, the, that is the, the emotional, contextual yeah. version yeah. of texting. It's, yeah. Yeah. I, I love I, GIF or GIF, whichever gang you're in. I don't know what you want to be in. But like, I find that I see that these younger kids have to deal with a very policed word world. You know, like, oh, you can't say that or you have to watch how you say this. And being older, I'm a little bit more free with thinking. I go, well, don't understand. I'm like, oh, wait, if we would have read it that way, they wouldn't understand. Now think about it. what you just said. Being older, I'm a little bit more free with the way I think. Because I wasn't I, you're raised. Right. You're I right. Wasn't but I'm raised. saying that's not a good thing that a younger person is less free with the way they think. They don't they don't know a world where they could lose all their friends for mm-hmm. saying a singular wrong yeah. word and some kid from Kentucky can read it. Retweet it, and four hundred people write their mom. People from say, Kentucky can't read, though. That's the oh. thing. I think that <laughs> that trend is going to be not viable in the long term. In long term, it won't be viable. But like you'll see it in hardcore. The two years ago on Twitter was rough. Now there's almost a joke about being canceled. Like it's kind of like yeah. the, the mockery was over. Oh, they legitimately it's swinging canceled. back a little bit. Yeah, because the pendulum swings. It'll, and be, the push, it'll level out. The push. The pushback is not to open the door so you can say something homosexual, transphobic, racist, any of those things. It's to say you can have the conversation and not kill the person for using the word. Mm-hmm. You don't, if you're killing the person for using the word, 
then you're language police and you're almost like 1984 Orwellian kind of like, you're not allowed to use this because this mm-hmm. brings this, you know, it's like almost like a thought crime in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. I mean, you have to be able to hear things that make you uncomfortable and combat them the same way. I saw use rhetoric and you can dismantle people's arguments and you can show them the right way. But when it becomes a capital crime and it shuts down discourse, then there's going to be, a, I think that's a serious problem there. Yeah, that, I, that it, baboon has spoken, son. And he did the smile in between. I love when he does that. The, scar- about- the scariest thing I saw. I love when he does that. The scariest thing I saw is that they eliminated the black, the million man march from history. They're like taking that out of the way. In the in the women's march against Trump, they've augmented the signs. And this is the character of 1984's job was to go back and change history mm-hmm. to look at the present state and it scares the fuck out of me. The 1984 is the scariest book I've ever read because we're in it. And so like this conversation, like, you know, you do the little PDS like, man, I hope some kid on Twitter is like, Joe said that word. It's like, I was saying it like, unfortunately this is what they used to say. I'm obviously not using it mm-hmm. in the yeah, pejorative so attack, word, you know, but yeah. the obviousness contextually gets lost on kids who were raised with, you can't say that. Well, we have a perfect example at your fest with E Town Concrete. Did you see the meme? Gorilla Biscuits. Well, no. Did you see the meme about E Town? No. <laughs> it's like the Drake meme with the smile and stuff. Like, you know, white kids using the word, and his face is sad. It's like E Town lyrics, and he's like a smile, like you know, like. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, you know, like there's been a ton of time, like you know, E Town, like people different versions, like E Town's the only the only time you're allowed to get away with saying that, like you know, and it's like yeah. even E Town's posted it, you know, like. There comes a time when you need to have. It's like, do you ever see that shitty uh, documentary on Metallica? The argument about guitar solos. Let's not make a rule saying our songs have to have guitar solos. Not yeah. making a rule saying they don't have to. Like, Kirk Hammond was bummed. Yes, yeah, I just don't get it, man. Like we're gonna just date our music, and when there's no guitar solos, it's like should have stayed in the uh, Exodus. You wrote four more toxic waltz, man. <laughs> but go back to Gorilla Biscuits. Remember that whole fiasco? Well, I think that that specific person has always been a troublemaking exactly. asshole. Exactly. And that person... But look how much just one person could call That person has legitimately attacked a friend of ours and accused him of being racist for dressing up like Tupac one year. Like, that person has literally started shit on the internet since day one, which is why they yeah. don't have a place in the mainstream hardcore society because they have to look for controversy and they have to look and they did put ironically they forget Sonny's there with hate five six you can replay it all the time but they looked for context the same thing happened that year where someone said that they were attacked by some man and he ran away and people are like, you're letting people get attacked I said hey I have 20 security five are outside you can't run out of our venue you're not no, this person, a safe place for Well, us. they said, this person ran out of your venue. I said, it's actually not even physically possible yeah. to run out the doors you're saying. We have security. So they saw someone running, they would have stopped them. Yeah. Oh, no, it happened. And I'm like, listen, I, I fully want to believe that you feel that this happened, but I'm telling you. No, so see, much. you're already giving up too much. Say, you're full of shit. Take a walk. Don't come back next year if it's not safe for no, you. I don't know what to tell no, you. No, what, what we did was we created a 1-800 number. I it was one. It was like a two six seven number with a cell That's phone. That's too many numbers. How am I going to remember that? I don't, I'm know, I don't know how you do it, but the one phone call we got, a, a paid member of the venue did something out of place, and they were fired that day. There you go. One, so two, we're three. trying. We're trying. We're yeah. getting a little bit better at time. That yeah. counts. That should count for a lot. I just no, don't like none of that. You do. should count you know, for no, no, no. a fucking lot. If you spend uh, a number to call, that's yeah. 
fucking unheard That's of. Pretty fucking Gen- unprecedented. Big thanks to Jennifer Reisberg, uh, Shatish, and the female staff for this article to like coax me through how to make it happen. Because I'm like, I don't know. I didn't know. I, you know, what do we do? I eat a lot of food. Mm-hmm. I hang in my office and yell. I watch some bands. I didn't. I didn't think of the plebeian world of hardcore this hardcore like <laughs> i didn't realize that these guys are coming to this fucking fest and they're like hawking these girls and they're bothered and the girls mistaken like like months said oh i'm gonna stay at this hotel it's like you know i was gonna break your fucking hands you want to touch this girl like that we're gonna break your fucking hands you know like no one would i don't want to bother you but this guy's being creepy well then he's got to go mm. and that's been in place for a while now that's a nice thing it's weird how we had to transition into that, but if we have to be the police of our own thing, of course, and of we also we need to know that we need to know, and I didn't know. And I was like, I don't want to bother you. And also I got told, we didn't want you to get too upset and get crazy. And I'm like, first of all, why would I? I'm like, oh yeah, actually I would get crazy. What am I thinking? I would absolutely <laughs> fucking kill somebody. So Now what do we do in the scene when, is it possible that some allegations are false? Always. But So what do we do? In those situations, if we know for sure there are false allegations, but we also know that just even questioning the the accuser is such a dastardly deed. I think I don't think might is right in that regard. I think the smartest thing to do is communally. It always comes out when people aren't quick to jump. And that's really what it is like, you know, a story that takes wings it, it dies quick in quiet, not open public conversation. Oh, yeah, well, this and this also happened. And then people go, oh, like what you see on the Internet is people either drastically jumping in quickly or they're carrying the story. Not often. I mean, there are times when people write specifically, this is what happened. Most of those people, when they write that, are speaking from truth. It's the third person or the phone game where you hear of a different version mm-hmm. and as soon as someone hears oh, that's not what happened then it goes back oh yeah that didn't happen yeah. you know and well, there is but the, da- the, the true danger I think is the people who read the headline and share it oh, and, they, and don't know even the third person and version. are happy to they share just it. saw a they're thing happy, that they can they're share excited to share it. and well, they just blast it blast it blast it that's the true that's the the dangerous power of Social media is sharing misinformation like that. You know, well, I mean, you see it. So you see it in in every aspect of our society. Mm-hmm. You see the mistruths that are just carried. You see so much misinformation in people that don't want to look further. They don't want to see. You know, and, and and they're trained. We're trained now to read a bike headlining. Our press is opinion. If you read it, opinion. You know, like we're trained. To go, oh, you know, I saw one sentence. This is the whole thing. You know, yeah. it's why them clickbait people make so much money. In hardcore, we have always been a strong community, and we have to remember that we policed our own. And I also tell people all the time, if you turn your phone off, the rest of the world, like the earth is still spinning. The shows will still happen. If the t- if Twitter's too much for you, turn it off. Instagram too much for you, turn it off. The real Twitter's world horrible. will... Con- Facebook's the worst. Yeah. Facebook is World War One trench warfare, yeah. and you show up. I and love like, Facebook. Get over here on this side. We're attacking tomorrow. And I'm like, I don't want to get. I don't want to attack nobody. I want to. I want to see my friend's baby. Let me look at this picture. Where's the next show? And I got this trench war over here. I got this guy over here with the clickbait, and I just don't want to get pulled into that. But literally, World War One is straight up trench warfare. Mm. Facebook every time, and you literally you can click back, and there's a battle for three months going on. You're like. How do you, what time do you, and then they're not writing two words like Twitter with GIFs. 
they got sonnets, pages, citations. Yeah. You're like, this <laughs> is like a second job to have this argument. Yeah. I don't even fuck with Facebook like that. All, literally, Bro, it's horrible. What I use Facebook for is looking for funny videos go and to, sharing go to Twitter. fucking go to Twitter. funny shit. All the good and that's shit, all I do on Facebook. All, this, all the funny shit is on Twitter, and it cycles down through the gram, and it might get to Facebook. Facebook is war. Facebook is compromised. The algorithm shot. I'm like Bob Hope in the middle of the war going <laughs> to do USO tours and spread comedy. That's what I'm doing. I love Facebook, but I love beefing like, like Yeah, you that. love a yeah. beef. I never post shit on my page. But you see it. But I'll attack other people's posts. Yeah, you're yeah. a attacker. Yeah. You're a skirmisher. Yeah. Like you jump through skirmish. the line. He's a skirmisher. He's I definitely, uh, Mel I, Gibson in yeah. the, the Patriot. That's yeah, I, yeah. I definitely see him pop up, and he's always got a contrary, and he attacks and gets out. He's not locked. He's not locked down. Yeah. I'll try to cause a little discourse on him. Let's, I mean, let's be real. Hardcore, the young kids, for as much as we can discuss some of the fallacies, they have it better because they're open to what's going on. I don't like the modern fake old guy Archie Bunker act mm. on Facebook. Yeah. Lame. If you are signed up to the construct that you're wearing a fucking man ball shirt or agnostic front shirt in every third picture, or you're out your fucking kids and you got a New York hardcore hat and you're talking about fuck these immigrants and shit, you're a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. You're a piece of shit. And you missed all of the learnings yeah. that we were taught. I know. And, I know. and so like at least the the Twitter shit has some has its own problems like there's a little bit a couple witch hunts there's a little bit of misgivings they're quick to pounce on you and attack what you say but they're more open to what's going on now what fantasy world do half of these motherfuckers live in and i read it and i get so mad isn't the right wing rhetoric from like a lot of hardcore people kind of surprising no i'll tell you why these it people surprises me these people were never about positive local change they went through their pupa stage being like I'm angry. This music accepts my anger. They got old. What's the music of old people being angry? Being angry at other people because their lives aren't great. Mm. You know, like, I don't know the end game. I'm not smart enough to know why we are caging children. I know caging children's bad. I don't know what the, the four moves after changing all these people at the border is going to be. I just know it's wrong. If you're into hardcore music and you think, well, there's a reason and it's acceptable, you're fucking crazy. Yeah. You're literally crazy. Like, or you're actually- just waiting to hear what your God says and then you I, just go along with it. Yeah. I don't think if you're a hardcore person, you can really accept God. I think you can have faith, yeah. but I don't think you can really truly love God and believe that book because everything in hardcore tells you make your own opinions, yeah. live through it, you know. I think I think the hardcore. So, pe- so then, what about the whole Christian hardcore scene in the nineties? There are those guys are specific to people yeah. that are still better than ninety nine point seven of the rest of the world. Jason Dunn, who started Face Down Records, known as yeah. the victim. Uh, the the Quago brother, the Quago brothers. Like those are specific. Those are specific human beings yeah. who play great music. And try to give their people a place like, hey, we love God and we also like hardcore. Mm-hmm. And it was stolen by the bullshit from Solid State and all that. We're going to make money off Christian metalcore. I'm going to put on a warp Tour. So you're a Christian band. You're playing devil's music and you're going to warp Tour around 16-year-old girls. Mm-hmm. None of that. That sounds like regular-ass Christian rape. Mm-hmm. That don't sound like any of the shit <laughs> that Jason Dunn. And all them guys in them original couple bands were about. Are they about. still into it, those dudes? Jason Dunn is probably 
still doing face down to some degree. Dave Quiggle, the singer of Disciple, is I heard he's a really good family guy. Um, I stay in touch with Adam from Disciple because uh, the internet. Eric EMS, one of the greatest PA hardcore dudes, Brothers Keeper. He's got the band Human Animal. Like them guys are still great. Was Brothers Keeper a Christian band? I think they were on the. I think they were on that Christian guilty by adjacent. association. They were okay. Christian adjacent. Mike Ski lives in Philadelphia. You know, Mike Ski lives in Philadelphia. Is one of the best of old school. But those people were never. <sighs> no, they weren't. They bad, were dude. never what the people now are. No, no. Then people. The earliest forms were yeah sincere. I think when but you start when you start when you start a band cool. and you can have ten thousand fans come to every show mm. because you're Christian, you know these guys were playing basements and they were playing small yeah. places. It wasn't they're yeah. they're similar, but they're so much different that I don't even put them in the same category. Oh, if I mean if it means ten thousand people are coming to see me, I'll baptize a baby on stage for you. <laughs> I'll do whatever it takes. But it just was goofy to me. But there, I'm not saying some people. In that scene, weren't sincere. They certainly were. But. I think. I think as evolution goes, with all yeah. microcosm scenes to get taken away. The only legitimate microcosm scene in hardcore is a straight edge scene. All other is just it's a clown. <laughs> it's a circus. All right. I think it's just people latch on to these things and they identify with a thing. But you know what I noticed, and for for better or worse, you know, it's probably more for better than for worse. But people latch on to a thing, and it's just but, I want to do that. I want to be that. You Check know? this out. When we had that big, that big Christian thing, mm-hmm. what happened? It faded out. Then what happened? Mm-hmm. Every goofy ass band with their satanic imagery, mm-hmm. right? That was the reaction to it. There's always a, there's a give and a go. You know? Exactly. There's a give and then there's a go. Now let's see that. what who Joe Harcourt, the founder of This Is Harcourt, who does he politically endorse, if anyone? I always, I have been Bernie Sanders. For probably the last you seven or eight years, socialist, communist, always will be that way because Fucking so. Uh, oh, I'll always be that way. Yo, Gorbachev. Here's the crazy thing you're ever going to hear. I respect Putin more as a crazy asshole dictator than I do Trump. Yeah, me too. A, a black belt in judo, right there, he'll fuck somebody up. Trump's a Trump go, is a pussy. He'll He's go a pussy. out there. I I I actually think that somehow he doesn't have bodyguards because he carries his own strap. I think that I think if I he think goes Putin, down, he could. I yeah. think I think Putin. If you run a Putin, you're getting you're getting two in the head from him. Yeah. Uh, in, in general, I I back Bernie. Trump would bow down and jump behind his paid I, armed I, men. I backed Bernie in 2016. I really fucking hated him for three years for being the way he was and being nice to Hillary. Yeah. Just to see Bad her, look. just to see her shit him all over again. Mm-hmm. I wish he would have shown a less Old Testament turn the other cheek. Or New Testament turn other cheek shit. I wish he would said like, "Hey, you know what? She's a thief and a liar. Yeah, fuck because her. she's corrupt." But that's the nature of how he's been politically his whole entire career. Man, he's a good dude, and it sucks that he's such a good dude because they really have raped him, and I think they're gonna do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, they're definitely trying. I, I do not believe that we have two choices. I believe it's Coke and Pepsi, mm-hmm. and Coke and Pepsi is not two choices. It's just a flavor that you're willing yeah, to stomach. Biden. I don't care if Biden or Biden. Trump are the president. I wouldn't fuck with either of them. I, I, don't, I don't vote for the lesser of two evil. I don't vote for evil. I, I, I voted for a, I believe last year, I think I bought for some third party uh, candidate. I don't remember who it was. But I definitely didn't do the Green Party. I probably should have went Green Party, but I voted third party in the main election. So Bernie Sanders, huh? I always, I, 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 you know, you got to remember is my family exists. Me, my, my, my dog, my wife, you know, my ability to pay and have a health insurance. Rely on me being a union cement mason. He has the longest pro labor 
stance in the Senate. Mm -hmm. And so if he's going to be pro-union and pro-labor, then that's what I have to vote for because that's the only person that's going to keep us from right-to-work states. And that is the most important thing on my plate is making sure that I do not lose the ability to be in an organized union. It's nice that you understand your own interests. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's exactly my my, yeah. my 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 primary interest is not now, losing union membership. You are in the, the union, so yes. you probably do know there's a lot of union members who support someone who's completely anti-union. They're scum, but they're stupid. What the, don't they understand, you, know, you think? All of it. You got to remember that people are naturally skewed to believe that they are the victim of something. And if you are making any amount of money that is equal to what these union guys are making, you are more privileged than 90% of the planet. And you got to remember, life is a fucking blessing just having it because there's so many good people that died and don't get to breathe anymore that you have no right to be making X amount of money and mad because some poor person's making less than you or all this bullshit about welfare when they don't even want to agree about how much corporate welfare we yeah. give. They don't want the argument because they're antagonistic and they're angry. Mm-hmm. And they were disenfranchised on purpose to be any one of the is you want to call them racist and all this other stuff. They were tr- programmed by society to be that way. Now, do you fear that your public endorsement of Bernie Sanders will cause some people to avoid this as hardcore? They have disliked me since the rip. Who's they? Every single different person in different phases has been like, fuck this hardcore because of this. First it was, well, Joe was in a gang. Oh, well, I don't like going to Philly shows. Oh, well, the show's pretty good. Oh, oh. And then, you know, now fuck this, his show's selling out. Fuck him. I can't even get a ticket. Oh, no, oh, he's a fucking sellout. He's in a big room. They ha- there will always be people, because I am a kind of polarized individual, that will take the individual things that I've done in my past, things people have heard, bullshit people have created. Oh, he beat me up. And, well, why would I do that? You know, like, but then again, maybe we did. Who knows? I've always been polarized, and it's always directly affected the fest because I've never been always everyone's friend. Mm-hmm. It's a disappointing thing, and it's part of growing up. Like, oh, yeah, you can't do all these fucked up things and not reap what you sow. But I also don't need to be everybody's friend. I support the bands. I do what I think is best for hardcore. I've been booking shows this year for now 23 years. This is my 15th This Is Hardcore in 14 years. Mm. I'm not stopping. You know what? Let's get to some questions for Joe, unless you want to bring up anything else, Joe. I just want to add on what you just said. We've always... Uh, a friend of ours used to always say, a friend to everyone is a friend to no one. And mm-hmm. I just recently heard someone, like a different twist on that yeah. statement. A friend to everyone cannot be a friend to himself. True. Uh, and that is the truth of yeah. it, where if you're trying to please everybody else, you are missing out on your own interest, which is if you can't take care of yourself, how can you truly be, how can you have a goal? How can you set a goal how can you accomplish anything? How can you be happy in life if you are not taking care how, of God damn yourself? It. So you're doing, you know, some everybody's got haters. Everybody's got haters. You got, you yeah, got if haters. You're, if, you're doing, if you're doing good, someone's not going to like it. Yeah, everybody's got haters. So. Do whatever you want because they ain't going to fuck with you anyway. Now. Kwame Katana. That's right. Here's the first question. I'm going to keep their names out of. Names some, out. Some might fear retribution. No retribution. Okay. Ask Joe what his favorite moment in PA Hardcore was. Could be a great show, reunion, etc. Joe? First one's 1998 Memorial Day at CeCe's. What was 
John RSB put on a show and Etown Concrete. Etown Concrete uh, strength was still new. Every band felt like everybody was in. It's Were we a there? VOD, yes. right? VOD played. Yeah, that it was, was so insane. classic. That, was, that did sound It familiar. was so it classic that it rings. And you got to remember, I wasn't actually, I was still 17. I wasn't even 18 yet. And it just felt like the end of that That's era. So cool. And truly, because that Labor 17. Day, that, that Labor Day was coldest life and it was cold and they showed up late. And it was such a, everyone was like, Memorial Day was so good. Labor Day is going to be better and it was worse. Yeah. <laughs> and I truly believe the threshold moment for like all PA hardcore was the summer of 98. Like, <laughs> like all your bands started changing up, like different bands changed. We lost that venue like the following year. Mm-hmm. Allentown became Warzone City because we'd all have to go down if Hate Breed played. Yep. You know, like, yeah. but I feel like that was like that show, that moment was like when CC's, everybody, there was, wasn't a fight that night. Everybody was in the pit. Everyone got along. Jersey, Philly, New York. That was like a golden moment. What a day, me. man. I always rem- I remember Joe from yeah, back then because I'm older than Joe. And I, and people, somebody told me you used to take the bus or something like that. The show's up yeah. there. And like, that dude takes a bus from Philly. I take the bus. Oh, I would take damn. the bus. I took like Greyhounds. I would take trains. I it's would like I didn't school. really know you at the time, but I was like, I would take school. Some I, little kid was taking a bus dude, all the way up there. I had nothing that resonated in me besides seeing bands. And I felt so lost. I said this to my wife. Bob Wilson called me. Sorry to derail the question and answer. Bob Wilson called me because I, I showed him a video from that same time period where me and George Blacklisted went with Kensington for one for one's record release party in Long Island with 25 to Life. And he's like, yo, I've never seen Moshin like that. This show's crazy. Everyone a different style. And I was reminded of what it was like to go to a show. And it wasn't. I'm going to mosh and kick this guy and fight, but it was about dancing. And it sounds like yeah. so footloose, but <laughs> yeah. I remember. It does sound so. Corny, it's a but... circle. This Whoa. is this is the setup. Yeah. You got a circle of people. There's pe- There's no. And a group is there's from here. There's people against the there. stage watching the yeah. band. And then against their backs is somebody else's back that's watching the circle yeah. of people that are dancing. And it's a circle. And you go in, you do your thing. Maybe you bump into some yeah, people, yeah. jump into the crowd, whatever. But it's like a, the tighter the circle got, the crazier oh, the dancing so would get. But it was always about like that circle. It like you just, di- yeah. oh, where's the circle? Where you're looking for that circle? Like big, like big shout outs to Big Larry and like uh, especially um, Little Greg and all them guys. Like you'd see them moshing. Like oh, I gotta go hard. I'm, I'm coming out here from. And like in w- Wilkes Bar, didn't have that. Them shows are whack. So you go to CC's and it was wide but shallow. And if you didn't mosh good, you got kicked in the back. Or we would mosh and Chris Nace would see them like, I'm not letting him own that front. Like yeah. <laughs> There was a glory. And honestly, yeah. as I got older, everything was more malicious. I missed just moshing and being mentally free. Mm-hmm. Like the first time, like the, literally like it took me 20 years and I found jujitsu was the next time I was actively being free and movement and aggression. Luckily, it took me 20 years to find that. Who was that a point. good Philly dancer? Back in, the, in that what, era. What time period? Stackhouse crew. In that no. era. Stackhouse crew. There was a couple dudes who were older than me that exhibited the either the old school low Philly mosh style, like side to side, really low. And then the first like older guys who actually got into more of like the New York. Philly was late. To the modern hardcore moshing, it was more like punkish. For while, right? I was kicked in the back and kind of like punked out by the older dudes for bringing that "quote unquote" New York bullshit down there. 
you know, because like them, like my old heads were like punk rock skinhead dudes. Like the bad luck guys were more like shove, push, maybe a kick. Mm. Like we kind of brought that organized style of like pipeline style dancing to Philadelphia. Yeah. And, you know, I was only 16. Some of them guys were 17 or 18. Some of you guys were 15. You know, like we brought that error. But before that, like Black Kyle from uh, Delaware had this sick low mosh. Dennis, before he got really heavy, his brother Jazzy. If them dudes got in the pit, they were wrecking one whole side. Like you'd see a guy get in the pit, you're like, oh, fuck, he's going to destroy everybody. Mm. Jarrett Wiener was a, a skateboarder and he rolled with Stackhouse and they had like their own kind of like mix between New York where they would like floor punch side to side, very aggressive, but it was always low. So it was weird when I go to New York and no one's low moshing. I'm like, Damn, no one, no one's doing the low mosh here, you know. Like, but you, I thought Stackhouse Group was the coolest shit I ever saw. Well, they when just I started going they had this. They had a group of dudes who were skateboarders and shit, and, and they dressed all, the same. So and they, they, the same and they all they, I don't know, uh, Fear Five, Twenty Five to Life, Next Step Up. There were six nanny coke jackets at J.C. Dobbs, and that was something to see. That and I was time. like, oh yeah. shit! I seen three. I seen XXX. I'm like. Damn, and I saw Pennsylvania. I'm like, where the fuck is Nana Coke at? Yeah. You know? And that was like a matinee show. And I remember Stickman got off stage and beat all the bouncers up. And I'm like, is there ever been a harder dude? And so he beats the bouncers yeah. up. All right, let's get back to the question. Yo, you know who was a good runner. dancer up here? Rap Boy. Rap yeah, Boy was Rap good. Was, like a good smooth, He had that not, low not style too. Yeah, yeah, no. He could do that low yeah. style. He was so doing. you mentioned 98 CCs. Any other thing you want to mention about that question or not? Uh, in modern time, great the, shows, at modern, or events, and at, PA mine, at modern time, the next time I felt that was this past May at the quote unquote Philly hardcore barbecue unity that Bob put on. Mm-hmm. $2 for the first band, $10 after church. God gave us rain. Good way to get people early. That's fucking God gave smart. Us, God gave it. us rain, so no one left. Every band at a different time, like some people got up and played three songs. Some people, every kind of band that was around, like right now, Played and it's happening again in Sellersville in April, and I hope some of the older PA hardcore people, because it's not like so close to Philly, even though it's Quaker Town, come to see that vibe of like back when everybody would play a show just to be, oh, we're all playing a show together, mm-hmm. you know, like when it was like fucking in the eyes of and no retreat and fucking Mushbound and strength for a reason. Everybody would just play a show to play a CC show. Yeah, it had that vibe of all of your friends' bands are on this bill. Yo, that what was a cool. cool idea, man. Two dollars for the first band. Bob, Get them out that's early. fucking the genius. smart, man. The, the genius. You know what? You gave two events with twenty years apart. Yeah, very cool. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get another question. Oh, go ahead, John. I just want to say, my favorite memory of that Memorial Day show, E Town Concrete played Night Rider. Yes, as their intro, intro, and it was probably the coolest. Fucking thing, dude. They I, like always the coolest had, intro I ever heard to this day. Dude, like, they always had the best. Like they purposely picked the yeah, best intro. Like they picked the coolest shit yeah, ever. But I, I remember that one specifically where I was in the parking lot when they started, and it was like boom, 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 yeah, boom, 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 boom. boom. Yeah, and I was, was like, was a, is that oh, night ride? Yeah. And we all went running in. Yeah, yo, it was the coolest shit, and the place goes crazy. I mean, a lot of geez, these young kids don't even know what no, Night Rider is. I wish is, I didn't have CTE and I could remember all this cool shit. Yeah. <laughs> You're still not, you know? But right, go ahead, Richie. What's the next one? The next one says, I would like to know what you guys think of the state of hardcore music today and <coughs> where you see it going, especially with younger bands burning their torches bright and putting in their work. What do you think? It's cyclical. So whatever's happening now is a mirror or like in a 
amalgamation of a couple of things that have already happened. To them, it's brand new, so they think it's like the most crazy, exciting, amazing thing. Vane is getting compared to Botch. Different bands are getting uh, Soul Blinds, a band from uh, not that far from us, and they're getting like hit up with like the late '90s, almost like post-hardcore sound. You're seeing bands touch back on these things that are 20 years old. And it's constantly at this stage been a repetition, different small cycles. So where hardcore is going is whatever we did five, 10 years ago will be cool in five or 10 years. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be in a cycle. And as long as young kids stay open to do what they want to do, but respect that hardcore's roots. I said this to some kids on the internet and they think they don't understand what I'm talking about. Raby said, don't forget the struggle. Don't forget the streets. And he meant, that this is a street culture for people who are supposed to be making up their own rules against what everybody else says. And also the street aspect does this is something that is not made for everybody. You know, like doesn't mean like there's a, like you'll hear a lot of kids talk about gatekeeping. If you're on the internet and you found hardcore from fucking Spotify, there's no gate. You just found it. Yeah. But to be in our culture, you have to accept that it came from a different place than it is now. Homeless people like Roger Murray living in a squat, stealing power for shows means that there's a DIY aspect that has to be respected. Totally. It doesn't have to be re- re- uh, recreated like a cosplay, mm-hmm. but respect that we started on our own from yeah. the very ground up. This isn't a sidebar to punk rock. This isn't a sidebar to heavy metal. We've taken them influences and encompassed it, but it came from the streets and it came from people who had nothing and just want that vibe. And I think young kids doing their own bands, yes, you can go ahead and become a rock star, but remember that for the majority of hardcore bands, it's a couple years where you're having fun, you're on tour with your friends, and when you're old or when you're whatever next thing you're on, you're like, yeah, man, remember when I was a hardcore dude? You know, like remember, I, yo, yo, kid, yeah. look at... Look at Mute Son. Want to see my old punk band? Remember that this came from somewhere that was created. Because a lot of kids in new cool bands, they find the one niche they're really into and they specialize in it. I'm not, I don't like the band brands. I could care less. I, and I tried. Metallica sounds cooler. Yeah. You know, but I understand Minor Threat. Yeah. Respect where we came from. You don't have to love it. You don't have to wear it on a t shirt. But respect where we come from. That's all I tell the totally. kids. I'll, I'll give Bad Brains props. I just Yo, I don't. Yo, man, props what they did. They yeah. incited an entire generation to go forth. Yeah. It's not for me because I listened to thrash metal records from that time. I'm like, man, that record sounds way cooler. Yeah. But I understand what they did for our culture. And probably live, it was probably something else. I know? see these videos of people losing their mind, and I'm envious because it just I, it just doesn't gel. And yeah. every once in a while, there will. And that's the thing is, you will not like a popular band and, and be a, a good hardcore person. Mm. There are popular bands we are not going to like. Yeah. So yeah, hardcore is in a great state because people are still talking about it and doing it. But as we continue to grow, we have to remember our roots. Amen. Keep the faith. Next question: What you all eating? We what did we? We tonight? had uh, Chris brought some pasta for Jules. So good. beautiful. He brought Loved this yep. beautiful antipasta platter with some feta cheese, some oh, uh, roasted red peppers. Yeah. We got some artichoke in there. We got some grape leaves. What's that called? The grape leaves with Domari. The... Domari. Um, you Greek <clears throat> cunt. Some olives. <laughs> some calamari olives. Yeah. Chris, what was what's in pasta fazool for the midigans out there? Beans. Okay. Right. Broth. It's like a chicken stock or a vegetable broth. We okay. Usually cooked in with. Okay. And I have on this particular uh, version of it, we have sweet and uh, hot, spicy sausage. Sausage in there. Good man, good man. Okay, that's that's where we in. Question for Joe. How this is from the same uh person. 
How has Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu changed your life and mindset? Not only in hardcore, but mentally. P.S. I didn't make class today. I suck. <laughs> so maybe you know who that's from. Maybe I, I know who it is. Uh, one at a time. What was that again? How has Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu changed your life and mindset? Not only in hardcore, but mentally. Um, in 2018, I was heavily overweight. I have no friends who didn't tell me, hey, Joe, you're getting fat. I was insanely depressed. I was struggling for that vibe of something excellent to like push me. I'm a bad self-motivator and pushing myself to work out. And I give myself too many pats on the back. Oh, I have hard work. I should have been working and eating better sooner, but I hadn't. Jiu-Jitsu, first off, forced me to examine the laziness and the sloppiness of my health and work on it. Um, it gave me the same feeling that Freemasonry gave me around positive male role models who aren't gang members and face tattooed dudes and people telling me shit that like, you know, I used to hear where I was like, oh yeah, like I'm around like solid dudes who are like, yeah, man, like, you know, do this. It's going to make you feel better. You can ask this question. Like there's a support that comes from being at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu United specifically from like a team aspect and like a school people. I broke my hand. Two months ago, people reached out like, oh, my God, I can't believe like, you know, I Jared put the picture on the Internet. I broke my hand at a fest in Florida. I didn't think it was that bad. And I was training with a completely split bone. The school, every time I say, every person I say, like, oh, how's your hand? How you doing? You know, like the support that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu United has become like a family thing is something that people from hardcore definitely are used to having. You know, it's like you, now I go in there. I know most of the people when new people come in, I try to make it helpful for them because it gave me so much. I've lost a ton of weight. I feel mentally better. How much weight do you think? 65 pounds. What? Yes. That's awesome. I didn't yeah. think you had 65 to lose. Yeah, 65. So now, I, like, I'm not, I'm, I have friends who, from hardcore, who are now in it. So we've got our own. You can easily get lost in, like, oh, this is our own group and we're not with them. They're like, our gang is in with the school. And it's like, oh, this is like a, you know, our group is learning from these people and it's, it's amazing. Uh, Jarrett, who only a couple of years older than me, was like the old head, even when I was starting out of hardcore shows, has just kind of like showed us a whole new threshold of like, while we were out being goons, he was building up like this fucking network that is insane. And like the tag team vibe is very much similar to like hardcore shit. Like on team day, there's hundreds of people there. Like he said this thing where Jarrett said this thing standing next to Wilson. He's like, we're not just here to teach you jujitsu. Every single black belt here has something to teach you about real life. And I, I, that stuck with me. Mm. Like there are so many different people in that walk of life in that school and from tag team. And like their vibe is so wholesome. It, it's a, it's a, it sounds silly, but like jujitsu is like a holy place. You know, like I would never bring a dickhead who I don't like. Like if I asked you to come to jujitsu, it's because I like you or I think it'd help you. You know, like I, I, you know, I treat it with such respect because it has immediately made me happier when I come home. Physically, immediately. Too, right? imme dude, I tell everybody, and I and I hate to even be a little bit brash, but it's like I come out of jujitsu tired, hungry, feeling like I I just had sex a thousand times, and I'm still excited. I have to like take melatonin to go to sleep because I'm so excited after class sometimes, and that's when I get my ass kicked. You know, like our coaches just like give you so much mental support. There's never like, oh, you're a fucking idiot. You'll never like. I've never been so emotionally supported in a positive way, like. Jiu-Jitsu has humbled me like, oh, yeah, you were, you know, people are afraid of you. Oh, yeah, this guy who looks unassuming 
will crush you me with an arm. You know, like the most chill people. And little by little, I, there's more hardcore people, not just from my world that you run into from jujitsu. And then a uh, big shout outs to all the Instagram and social media people like that hit me up like, oh my God, I can't believe you're training. Like I talk about jujitsu so much to people on direct messages and shit where people are like, oh, I can't believe you're like, the community at large, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, is absolutely astounding. It definitely calmed you down. You're way less nutty. Well, because I have an outlet, and it's a positive one, and I, I'm not as erratic. And mm-hmm. uh, at the same time, uh, shortly before I started Jiu-Jitsu, I was getting into the Jocko podcast, and I suffer from not having positive real, male role models and not having people to like really say, this is not a really good idea. I had gang member uncles and shit who would tell me these are bad ideas and this is good behavior. I got told like the wrong thing for a very good portion of my life. And then when you're around young people who are in an echo chamber, Mm -hmm. we were supporting bad behavior because we were all up to crazy shit. Mm -hmm. Listening to Dijakos, all his uh, different books from extreme ownership to dichotomy of leadership to his new book, leadership and tactics to the podcast and just like taking ownership of shit and like admitting like, yeah, I fucked this up and this is how I can make this better. Like, and actually examining it and like it's made me cognitively think more of like where is this your fault before you start blaming someone else and like taking more responsibility. I think that's important. And and I was never the worst at blaming other people, but I let my anger blind where the blame had to really go. Mm-hmm. So jujitsu, because of Jarrett Wiener, because of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu United, because of Tag Team, has single-handedly been the best thing that's happened to me in 20 years. And had I done it sooner, it wouldn't have had the same impact because I was on such a mental low when I hit that, that it saved me. Perfect. I think uh, when you're talking about placing blame in real life, where that comes into play in jujitsu, every time you get beat, every time you get, you're you're late, every time you didn't even, you didn't know something, it's always your fault. Bro. It's only your fault. So the only person who can help you is you. is you by admitting, fuck, I suck at that. How do I, what do I do? How do I, how do I get out of this? And you think and you, you obsess over it and you, then you get a little spark of something. You Oh shit. Wait, what if I do this? This is going to make it better. And you try it and you try it. Maybe you're completely wrong, but it's going to happen again. And you just keep working at it and working at it and working at it. And so there's no, it's not a race, but eventually you're going to be at a better place than when you started. But if you first understand that it's your fault that this got fucked up, it's your fault. What can you do to get yourself out of it? I'll tell you, Jiu-Jitsu structured my life solely because I am terrified of being late. I was late. I looked at Jarrett and I said, I'm sorry. And he's like, it's okay. And I don't, we have, we have a Jarrett thing. It's a look of shame because Jarrett teaches the 1230 and when we take the 1130, we go in the back and get dressed. And I'm like, I'm not walking out first. Because he would look at you like, you're not taking my class. So like, <laughs> I'm not. And when he's there, I'm, I, I refuse to be late. I'm trying to be a half an hour early stretch to be watered up, to be there. So everything I'm doing in time, how I was half an hour early. Like I was tardy. I used to not put the time. I'd say I'm insanely more dedicated to being early for everything. Mm. And also because that part of jujitsu didn't rub, rub off on this show at all. I'll tell you that. And then also, <laughs> the other aspect is, uh, to do the this is hardcore work and the show promoter work and the offers and the emails and phone calls. 
I have to get that done by the time the nighttime classes start. So I don't put anything off. Like, I got to get do it. Let's get it done. I, I got to make sure my plate's clean so I go to jiu-jitsu. And then whole drive home jiu-jitsu back on the phone doing stuff. So, yeah, jiu-jitsu is the most impactful, amazing thing. And it's just been a gift. Beautiful. You're doing good. You're doing good. The next two questions are kind of the same topic. Okay. Thoughts on Harley. Harley is oh. one of these people that in the modern hardcore world, just have the same kind of Trumper fan base bullshit that just like, if you're like 40 something years old and you're writing on your like, dude, I'd love to see you, bro. You're older than me. How have you not seen Harley? Like what, like, you know, like, like there's an internet world of not young hardcore people. This is not, I'm not talking about you young hardcore. I'm talking about you, you old fucking dickhead who woke up one day in your mid thirties and found Mad ball and found agnostic front and you're worshiping Harley. Like you're the part of hardcore get out of. That should we be gatekeeping. <laughs> I'll tell you, the first time I met Harley Flanagan, I was doing merch for Blacklisted at the sidebar in Baltimore. Harley Wars was headlining. Dom, Lord Dom, did the show. Harley had Jorge in the band. I have OBHC tattooed across my throat. He has had problems with my friends <laughs> many years ago from back when he headbutted our friend Sammy the Mick in the face. R.I.P. Sammy the Mick. So he sees me. He gives me this weird-ass look, and he's like, you're doing merch for us? And I'm like, yeah. Constantly coming up to me. Like, Do we sell anything? And I'm like, look at it. We didn't sell nothing. And like at the end of the night, he sold like three shirts and a CD. You would have thought that he thought like I'm stealing hundreds of dollars from him. I'm like, dude, you guys sold nothing. And Jorge came over and was like, yo, leave him alone. It's my bro. I know. You know, like I could tell right then he's a fucking piece of shit. Fast forward three more years. Shadow Realm was playing CBGBs because Harley asked us to play. And we were like, yo, we got to play CBs. It's closing. We play the show. Death Before Dishonor plays the show. Indecision does not play, or most birds blood not plays a show. Iron Cross plays, and Harley Wars play. Harley War is on stage. Harley's talking shit about everybody, saying things he shouldn't be saying, talking shit, and there's nobody at the show. It was a failure show. I didn't think we were getting paid money. I don't care. I'm playing CBGBs in New York City with Death Before Dishonor and Iron Cross. That's already sick. End of the show, Harley comes up. Uh, yeah, man, you know, I, I got to feed my kids, so... He gives me five bootleg Chromag shirts, five bootleg Chromag DVDs and a hoodie. I'm psyched. I'm like, this is sick. <laughs> I go outside, I give it to Shadow Realm. Joe Nunn's like, no money? I went, there's nobody here. Get these shirts. Like, fuck this. And then Brian says, I'll, I'll send Frankie and Frankie will get us money. <laughs> Frankie comes out with all this bootleg merch. <laughs> <laughs> Frankie! Hey! Me, Damien, a couple of the fellas go down to that park down there to find food. We sit down by the window, and a John Josephs with a stack of styrofoam plates runs by. Hey, yo, John, go fuck So I'm like, what's up? He's just like, by chance. Just by chance. Beautiful. He's like, no, 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 you're not eating. This is fucking bull. You know, I always want to do the John voice. Nah, man, this shit will fucking kill you, man. You know, this is all fucking bullshit. <laughs> nah, I got pretty good. Yeah, literally. Shit, so motherfucker. we go into the park with him, and he basically feeds us vegan foods and spends three hours telling us life stories. Like, literally, what a guy, what a the guy. difference, the, the dichotomy between the two guys. I say this all the time. People say, oh, John's full of shit. John is big fish. If John tells a story, if he livens it up, it's still good. It doesn't mean to hurt you. And it's a great story. And he goes out of his way to be good to you. Mm. When Bloodcott played their first show, the heavier band, Shadow Realm, played it. And his brother <laughs> ate my food, that the same vegan food. He's like yelling at his brother, Frank, I can't believe you eat my fucking boy's food. He's like, I'm sorry, John, I didn't know what's this. Like, <laughs> John's that kind of dude that'll give you whatever he has to eat 
where Harley's accusing you of stealing the entire time. Yeah. Uh, he was on the Jocko podcast and he said that he won a tournament and that his kid won a tournament, the same tournament. Everything Harley's done is documented because he's a time traveler. He went back in time and, and found out once he knew that the internet and took a picture of every cool thing ever. No person in history. Like it, right? <laughs> there's no way he's on an alien or a time traveler because he knew to take pictures of the cool shit. If that motherfucker won a tournament, it would be on the internet. Yeah. He's in the center of the greatest jujitsu school in the country with the most famous people in jujitsu. There's not a picture with him with any of those major players in jujitsu that are there every day. So if Harley's that big of a black belt, where's his picture with John Donahue? Where's his picture with fucking Gordon Ryan? Rich Man Cusa, all of the greats. Yeah, all the greats. I don't like Harley Flanagan. I don't like that he played Sound of Fury. I don't like that he got to play shows. How the with hell the did Misfits. he end up on Sound of Fury? I don't know. It, it just ended up being that way. And, you know, with a reputation like he has, how I, could that I, I don't know. I don't book their fest. I can just say that, like, that and a couple bigger shows was the opening thing. I can tell you from booking the Cro-Mags first show in 2008 that the, that band draws way more than he does. And these kids and these, actually the kids are grown ass 45 year old men that are like, you're not the real Cro-Mags. It's like, bro, you've never even seen, like, you, like you're old enough to see the real Cro-Mags and you're like, can't wait to finally see you guys. Mm. What? Where were you at? If you're this fucking old. Yeah. I've yeah, seen, he does have a goofy fan club that's totally irrelevant. I, the first time I seen the Cro-Mags was a John and a bunch of weird dudes in Life Agony at Shock and Arrow. There was a fight so bad they turned the lights on. Yeah. I thought it was the coolest thing. I seen in both worlds open for Cro-Mag, uh, open for Earth Crisis. Earth Crisis was lazy to show the truck. Mm-hmm. So both worlds did a Cro-Mag set. That was out of control. Every time I see John and Mackie on stage with that group, it's incredible. It gives every fan. I've never had someone like, it would have been better if Harley's there. I was there in 2001 yeah. when they did the reunion. He, with a microphone, is obnoxious as fuck. He's a glory hound. He's mm-hmm. an egotist. He obviously ratted to get people in the jail. He's always used the fact that he'll run to the cops. And people still think he's a fucking badass. I know. He's an embarrassment that he wears his jujitsu belt in plain clothes to show off. And he teaches the kids class. He's not out there whooping no one's ass. What, he wears his belt? Like, there with, was an old picture of him. On? Bro, there was just a picture of him and Ice T, and he's wearing his black belt on his jeans. He's just a cunt. <laughs> yeah. And it's disrespectful to the fact that you what? have a black belt under Henzo Gracie, potentially one of the most decorated Gracies of all time, who's also one of the most chill, reasonable, normal humans in jiu-jitsu. Yeah, he's like the happiest dude. Yeah, like, so, yeah. so like you're a Henzo Gracie black belt wearing your black belt, like, you're dishonoring the whole thing that we're doing, man. And it just, just it disappoints me because he sh- if he was a different person, they could have the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. They can't have that. He's a terrible oh, person. In hardcore, he could be adored yeah. if he played his cards right. He's just, just always lied. Guy. He yeah. lied in his book. He said that he brought Hell's Angels down to the show in Sacramento, uh, San Francisco. He brought the state police and had him walk him in. He can, like, what he said, John might tell something story and it might be a little colorful. And you laugh, and it's a good time. Harley tells a story, and he beats everybody up. He's the king of the world. He found $10 million. Yeah. He's just a liar, man. And well, it's a shame because the problem is he's just been the center of attention his entire childhood. Obviously, all the pictures around famous people. And he's a broke motherfucker who thinks that if cro got back together, they'd make a million dollars in one show. They're not the misfits. It won't happen. Yeah. That's all I got to say. And we had, we had Scotty Banks on the, on the show, and yeah, Scott he's, said clearly the guy yeah, he ratted. is a fucking rat. Piece and of the thing shit. is, twat. is, twat. What's up, Henzo? Wise up. You surround yourself with people like that? Come talk to me. Whoever this fucking Henzo guy is. <laughs> all right. 
And the next question's uh, I think you just answered. We all it's for yeah. all of us. Hey guys, Team Harley or JJ? Always, JJ. always JJ. 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 JJ, JJ, JJ sent a book to my mom when she was uh, dealing with cancer on eating better. Beautiful. They talk on Twitter. It's really weird to see them commenting back and forth. You know, like he's the real deal, dude. He truly cares, cares, and dedicates his life to making himself better and helping people. And, and yeah. you can see it. It's documented. It's he's got a track record of doing this. I, so for any fuck ups he might have. He is aware of them, and he's actively trying to better himself and better the world around him. Yeah. That's that's my kind of what dude. you just said is so pertinent. From 1977 to 2020, you would see the kids say character arc. You mm. see the character arc in John. You see the changes. You see the you know whether he was on drugs, thieving, all that crazy shit, Krishna shit, chromatic shit, break up, more drugs. Modern day John has had more inspirational shit to give the hardcore world mm -hmm. than any of the negative bullshit that Harley has ever given. And that's because Harley doesn't ever want to change. He wants that rock star adulation Glory. that isn't from hardcore. Megalomaniac. Yeah. And, and so the, in, the, in the two personalities, one said, you know what? I fucked up and I got better. And, I, you know, yeah, I did some shady shit. And now I'm on this path of inspiring people and pushing myself and I'm doing better. Harley just wants all the attention and I'm the greatest. No one can beat me. My dick's a million fucking... And that's why he's got a small acorn dick because he acts like such a fucking cocksucker and he's always about himself. He's never done anything good. He's never played a bit of a show. So, and the whole time, has Harley ever said, hey, you know what? This guy has a problem. I'll play a bit of a show. No, he shit-talked Todd Youth when he died and then when he was going to get smashed for it, he changed his fucking tone. He's just rotten. He's got a bad attitude. And you know what? I was never a good person. Until I fucking realized, like, oh, man, I got to really stop fucking up. You know, like, thank God I was never on drugs because I, I would be dead or I would be even more in trouble yeah. with jail. I think you have to have that change. You have to have that, like, story where you go, oh, yeah, I fucked up and I'm doing better. And John, dude, at his age, he tells everybody in hardcore, you can still change. You can still do shit. I like that so mm -hmm. much more I than saw Harley. John in, in Chicago and he heard that Joe wasn't feeling good. And he had me there for after the show. He before he even left the stage, sweating, leaning over, bending over for an hour, telling me everything to tell Dude, Joe. And the next morning, Joe. he called me, and I was in bed, and he called me. He was thinking and about talked it all me night. for at least an hour. He's yeah. like, "Get a fucking notebook. Get a notebook. Yeah, write, this write this down. Yep. Yeah, get he did it for my mom. He did it. He's Stop so trying to impact the world in a positive that if you who don't know him personally, when it's like, well, I heard in 1981 he was a piece of shit." Well, I'm looking at him from 2020. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm looking at what he did in that 40 years. I'll tell you what, Harley sounds like he's doing the same shit he did 40 years ago, and it sounds like he's been a cunt for 40 years. You know what? I knew I knew Joe Harcourt would be political and not really answer what he thinks of Harley, but of course he did. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. Joe tells you straight up, son. Okay, Joe Harcourt. I love the PA Harcourt scene, another question. But is there any scene in the country as important to hardcore as the new york hardcore scene this must be a guy from new york so as important he said i love pa hardcore but is there any scene in the country as important to current hardcore as new york hardcore? pennsylvania hardcore every single band is pennsylvania important. is directly relatable to uh, number one code orange you know that are, are running they are going to be known as the pinnacle of heavy metal at this time with this record mm -hmm. throughout the bat we've got code orange yeah 
on top of on top of it right now. on top of it we have 385 wide miles worth of different little microcosmic scenes that have all done different things because of Pennsylvania hardcore there's a slew of bands before me in my time where's now me doing this hardcore Bob Wilson does FYA we actually Pennsylvania just picked up the rookie of the year well not rookie but we're getting him Lennon who does Eco Strike and all these records he's moving we just stole him that's so awesome. PA is just getting stronger. Rookie of the year. Yeah, rookie of the year. We so got him. The guy who does Eco Strike, Blister, FYA's, which is Florida's biggest hardcore fest. It's from Pennsylvania. Guy. Yeah. See that you Florida suckers. And the thing is, is FYA is the basis for so much of hardcore right now. Bob, being in January, he's like the band. He's like the fest that breaks bands out. You know, uh, I wanted to talk about MHS Chaos, but just like just from seeing MH Chaos for the first time. That's like one of the first shows they've left Chicago for. They went right from Chicago to FYA in Florida, ripped it, and because of that, me and Richie are going to put their fucking record out. Sick. You know, like, Bob has a community of ba- people from North Carolina to Florida to all these different small towns, and unlike, unfortunately, in my time, when it was very centered on, you're from Lansdale or, you know, you're not Philly, Bob's generation, because of payback and all the kids who grew up in, out of town, everything is one scene, unity, APA, hardcore, they look at it as it's all being brought in, where 20 years ago we were a little bit more stubborn. Mm. These kids are uniting all of this. Uh, we have Wilkes Bar, Pennsylvania, so you can go count off title fight, Cold World, blah, 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 blah. It's not, and not to say that in modern times, but I'd say over the last 15 years, the center of a lot of very important things from Posse Numbers, This Is Hardcore, The Savior of Hellfest, numbers, all right. this stuff is based in Pennsylvania. A lot of these bands, and you know what? You can say what you want about Philadelphia. Yeah, we never had the biggest bands, but we've had some sick shows. Yeah, and we've got great promoters, and we've got cool venues. Show wise, it's a mecca. And and that's that's another part of our strength. But you remember, and you guys will know this: the end of the '90s, everybody wanted to play an eerie show. Mm-hmm. And even not just like you know, we've always and then only in Pennsylvania does somewhere like Clearfield, Pennsylvania exist. Mm-hmm. You go to the middle of the fucking mountains, turn left three times, and you're in a hall. You're like, how do I, how do I get here? Why is there crazy shows? And there's Jim Thorpe yeah. shows, Lee Hutton. Before that, there was the Wilkes Bar Fest, the kid uh, who been in Albatross and all that shit at Begita. Like, them dudes have been doing shows in 95, like small little hardcore fests. Yeah. Pennsylvania's always had stuff. But I don't like going, we have it better. But, you know, this we. This guy asks a wise guy question. Yeah, it's a wise guy question. But the reality is, is like New York has New York City, the bands from New York, that, uh, New Jersey that want to be in New York, Long Island. A little bit of Albany, a little bit of Poughkeepsie, a little bit of Buffalo, Syracuse, but it's so fucking big. I feel like even though that we're a giant state like that, we're a lot more connected. We oh, were connected oh, in twenty way years, more connected, even yeah. connected twenty years. I remember going out to like uh, Carlisle and seeing that band Option. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like if you travel back with this four year, like you're in, you know all the small weird towns. Yeah. Your Pennsylvania geography was amazing in nineteen ninety six. Brothers Keeper earlier, yeah, like turmoil, uh, yeah. You know, all these bands, you had to go to their town to see them. And seeing them in their town, who Ass beaters. Bethlehem, Always. Scarlet's, the Chris, remember Chris Beer from Dysphoria was doing them yeah, Scarlet yeah. shows? Like, one for one, Dysphoria, uh, E-Town Concrete, 25 Life. A lot of them bands were coming to Pennsylvania for their best shows. Yeah, you know, like for VOD. Yeah. yeah, and like before my time and your your guys' time, the Airport Music Hall, Allentown. Oh, I used to go there. Uh, Unisound was before our time. Yeah. Before my time specifically, but like. Judge and all them were coming down into playlist. Pennsylvania's always and had. The, what's that Reading place? Uh, Top, Top of the Rock. rock. No, Ooh. the other one. Silo. Yeah. No. Or uh, I know what you're talking about. Um, 
We were just talking about it the other day. The upstairs club. The guy he had shows all the time. Everybody used to go there. Unisound is what you said. Yeah, yeah Unisound. Unisound. I, was, I just yeah. said it, Unisound. Oh, you said that. Oh, yeah, Judge. All them. Like, we yeah. Pennsylvania's had hardcore for so long. Like, I mean, yeah. like, some of the first shows that and we minor, never seek. Well, some of the first that. shows that Minor Threat were playing was at Love Hall in downtown Philadelphia. Yeah. You know, like. It was always been impactful. Remember how H two O used to go over in Philly? Yeah, I think like, they still there. That's like they're one of their yeah, favorite tell you that. spots to play. Yeah, I I feel like you know I can't live in another person's shoes, but I'm very proud and happy to not only be a part of Philadelphia, but more importantly, be part of PA Hardcore. And seeing these young kids repping PA Hardcore reminds me when we all did, mm-hmm. and it gets me psyched. Like, yeah, and it gets me psyched. Like, no, it is about Pennsylvania. Yeah, to and give I'm, it as a state identity again. I get so surprised when I talk to younger kids, especially young kids in bands that are doing well. We were just speaking about Code Orange, okay? And I talked to to Jamie quite a bit, and the amount of respect and wonderment that Jamie has for the early days of Pennsylvania shows, yeah. Is blows my mind. It makes me so like they happy. Stuff, it makes me. I just. I fucking love Code Orange. I love Jamie specifically because, yeah. dude, they are hardcore kids. That's what yeah. they are. Yeah. They're for real. And for all the cat kids, that listens to them, they might not fans, understand. They are yeah. a fucking just a like band you, of hardcore. Just fans. like those older cats accepted all out wars a hardcore yeah. band. Right. So is Code Orange because it's it's what they love. That's what they call themselves. Yes. So, yeah. Awesome. Okay, this is uh next. This will bring you back to what you were talking about a little earlier. Joe Harcourt and Mad Joe, what are your belts and do you roll together? Uh, we never rolled we together never rolled. yet. What? We did train together, Yo, we but had we never this rolled moment together yet. <laughs> at uh Jared's original coach Steve Maxwell got started East Coast Jiu-Jitsu at the at Max Rice came and did a seminar. <laughs> we were all doing these stretches, and Mad <laughs> Joe is a uh, now were you purple or you purple, purple? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I wasn't even blue; I was still white at the time. And the you know yeah, black belt Pete, all the people <laughs> like BBP. in a row. Every one of us are on the ground doing these stretches. Like God, this fucking sucks. Like <laughs> so, the most I've ever had was like doing these awkward but very important body stretches, and just being on the mat with Jotham and everyone like. Oh my god! Like I, I thought it was a show as a couple old moves. Instead, it was like an hour and a half of some of the most brutal stretching. Yeah, and like body movements and like how to squat better. And it's dude, it was rough. But that was like the most mat time we shared. Yeah, it was like holy fuck, man, this is brutal. <laughs> that was cool because yeah, was, just meeting Steve Maxwell yeah, was like, like you know he's a legend, a fucking a jujitsu legend, a weightlifting legend, a training legend. Yeah, like just a, a, a magnificent person. But that was the only time we've been in a jujitsu thing was that day. But we'll come. I, I plan on coming down there and Good. and smashing out. and beating me the no, fuck up. Yeah. man, I don't do that. <laughs> Yo, shit, what's man. after purple? Brown, 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 cool. and then black. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I'm I'm currently at a blue belt. I'll probably I'll probably be there for at least another 1,000 days, (laughs) (laughs) maybe 1,500 days. Yo, they say that that is the majority of your learning in jujitsu is between uh, you know in your blue belt. I like on your way to purple belt. They say is when you learn the most. On the one year anniversary of my first jujitsu class, I started writing in a book all the classes so I can kind of remember stuff. Because I realized in the first year, I was so much I couldn't remember shit. And like a week and a half in, I got my blue belt. And like from that book, I think that uh, tomorrow will be like 104 classes wow. since last, since last, like the end of last June. And I still feel like 
Jarrett might have given me like a, like you never want to say like oh man I wasn't ready but he gave me a blue belt me and Carl like <laughs> fuck man we suck like and everyone's like like you never feel like you deserve your like I was like yeah I fucking deserve it I'm like I'm not ready I wanted to compete as a white belt I'm not just, I still feel like I suck so the <laughs> day that I got my purple belt they just threw everybody at me yeah, right and yeah. I was like what the fuck is going on here like Jesus everybody's trying to take my head off and he was like. It was like we were rolling for, you know, after class, like usually you'll roll maybe two or three rolls. You know what I mean? It's like nothing crazy. You know what I mean? And this was like, yeah, I did like I rolled with like eight different people after class. I'm, yeah. And I'm like dead, man. I'm fucking dead. And it was going up. I realized like it was going up in rank. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I started with white belt and it was like ending with black belts. And I'm like, damn, what the fuck is going on here, man? They're like trying to like. I'm like, somebody must be getting promoted. I didn't think it was me. Yeah, you're just in the test. But I did I did well against and when I say well, I didn't I'm not tapping people. Yeah. <laughs> but I rolled well. I rolled smooth and technical against a brown belt and a black belt. Yeah. And I wasn't I, I wasn't like beating anybody, you yeah. know, but they were throwing some really heavy shit at me and I was able to escape some things and I was able to maneuver my way out of trouble, which is like good enough for me. Like if I can escape a, a black belt who's attacking, then I feel like I, you know, that's a, yeah. vic- that, I'll put a feather in my cap for that. You know what I mean? I just took a regular class. And, uh, <laughs> I didn't have any of that. <laughs> and then they, they promoted me to purple after that and I was not expecting it at all. And uh, it was, I wouldn't say I felt like I deserved it, but I felt like, Oh, that's what it's, that's what being tested is like. You know what I mean? Like, oh, okay. So now it was like the the one thought that I had was shit. What's my test for brown belt going to be like? (laughs) (laughs) Like if this is what I had to do for this. Oh my God. The one for brown belt is going to be way worse. You know, I, uh, Jarrett came out and gave a guy we're friends with a blue belt. And I was like, man, that's so cool. Like I was like, so psyched for him. I wasn't like, wait, I didn't have the where's mine. I was like, Dude, that guy's awesome. I love. Like, I, I'm so happy anytime get someone gets promoted. And it was after a class he hadn't teach. He was the next class, and then he's like, you know, jujitsu's. He said something like, jujitsu's not about. It's not just about what you learn in here. It's how you improve as a person. And I was listening to him, and he's like, you know, I've known people here a long time. I've been with them before they ever joined the gym. I started getting the idea, and he pulled me up, and I was choked up. And then like. He called Hard Carl next. It was like, we got our blue belts the same day. That's great. And then man. we stayed for the second class. And that same thing happened to a guy that we knew. Uh, but we were in the back room. Cause like, if you take Jared's class, like white belts and blue belts go in the back. But the first role I had after uh, Carl, we actually almost knocked each other. He knocked the wind out of me on a takeout. So it's kind of like beat the coach. One of my main coaches, lobster Bobby, who's a fucking incredible coach. does a vicious. He tapped me with fucking pressure. Cause I was so nervous. I'm like, oh my god, I'm rolling with Coach Bobby. I never rolled with Coach Bobby before. I'm a blue belt, and I got smoked. And I felt so dumb. And then what was going on with you was happening in the main room while we were doing our like uh, rolls in the back. And I was like, man, I'm so glad I didn't have to go through that to get my blue. I'll be dead. <laughs> nah, that's awesome. Good work, boys. We got a lot of questions. Okay. So I don't know if What's we up? get through all. What was that last one? Your belts? Jiu-jitsu, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll try to go faster. Joe Harcourt. What's the most influential band from the Philly hardcore scene or the PA hardcore scene? Influential to who? The most, I don't know, they didn't say that. The most influential band from the Philly hardcore scene and the PA hardcore There's scene. There's just too many errors. Like, an influential, yeah. it's, it's such a vague thing. You could say that 
Iggy Dagger was a band that brought people from Philadelphia all together, but all them people from that era don't come to shows no more for the most part. So where's their influence? You can see Blacklist in the early 2000s were kids that were supporting shows who became the people that pushed the next generation. You know, like you could say Wisdom and Chains has been the glue to to kind of tie in Ooh. everybody from the late 90s to the 2000s to this period. You, I mean, like you could go through and find different reasons for influence. So without a specific target or audience, it'd be hard to pinpoint one band. Right, I'm going to tell this kid, next time you ask a fuck a question, be more specific, you dope. Right. Joe Harcourt, still straight edge? Always. Always. Simple. 20 years this December 4th, 1999. It's my 21st year. That's More awesome. BJJ stuff here. Oh, shit. <clears throat> Mad Joe and Joe Harcourt. The scene is filled with BJJ practitioners. Who do you believe are some of the earliest and the most advanced? Jared Wiener. Yeah, Jared Wiener. Jared um, Wiener is from Harcourt. Yeah, in, in my knowledge, he's the earliest Could you just, Harcourt kid. Just call him Jared for now. I'm just, <laughs> Jared Wiener. We never yeah. say Wiener a million times. You get I can tell you that when Jared was skateboarding by shows and we found out he was in jujitsu, we would seriously hope he would get into a fight because like, yo, this motherfucker's voice crazy. Because we know what UFC was. So Jared's he, a Philly hardcore dude. Philly huh? hardcore dude. Yeah, and I don't think there's, uh, to he was my going knowledge, to there's no hardcore dudes that are, I know there's older jujitsu guys who are, who like hardcore. Like the the Machado brothers, yeah, yeah, yeah. They love hardcore, well, but I, mean, I don't we think were they were like Harley. I don't I mean, know if they were no, hardcore. Harley, kids. Harley got into it later. Harley got later? into it later. How about Jared's, Billy Biohazard. Billy's been doing it for a long time, but not as long as Jared. Jared was going to Maxercise, which was like the first school, and Jared kind of came in as a kid and was like his job was to wipe down the machines and trade for like training. He's been he was doing like Gracie challenges as like a, like a sixteen year old kid. Like he's his OG. Like nineteen ninety one. How about Ray Ragabaka Gakabakshmish? Or Ray Capo or whatever they call him. He came later. Later still. Jarrett was Listen, training. Jarrett started was... in 1991. 91. Yeah. None of those other dudes started until maybe 94, maybe 95. Jarrett's think... been doing it since 91. Okay. So most. He's got four degrees on his black belt. Four so degrees he... on his black so belt. So he's, yeah, he's, he's four, one of the a, earliest. He's been a black belt yeah. for like 14 now, years. some of the most advanced. Jared. Also Jared. Yeah. Also Jared. Yeah. I will say this: Billy is very good. Billy's yeah. fucking awesome, and and uh, training with him on tour is the coolest thing ever because he just got he's he's so got angry. that perfect teacher um, persona. It's a good shape. Isn't he's it? got he's in great shape, and he's got that patience. Like a good teacher is very patient and teachers you know they teach through example and he's he's got all of the attributes of like a good teacher i tell all these young kids i was just on year of the knife because code orange i don't know if you guys notice one purple belt one almost purple belt several white belts in that band yeah you want to get good at jujitsu start a band <laughs> or get me in a band <laughs> go into a code orange and train with them every single day like you have 30 days where you just train every day and now that I don't tour, I'm like, God, it'd be so cool to train every single day. So the fact that you did that is like the most awesome thing. And then with who it's it is. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. And that's the way I started training. My first time ever doing jujitsu, ever stepping foot on the mat was with Billy on tour in Ham We were in Hamburg and Billy oh, was, was stretching out. Yeah. yeah right. Billy was stretching out, getting ready to go to meet Thomas in, from Hamburg. Yeah. He was getting ready to go to Thomas's school. And I was like, "What are you doing? What? What are you? What's jujitsu like? What is the? What do you do?" Oh, and he showed me a. He's he, he showed like me splinter. a trap and roll. He oh, showed shit. me like a very basic, simple, how to get out if someone is mounted on top of you. Wouldn't right? it be so much cooler if the guy who taught you 
jujitsu was blind though. You know what I mean? That would be way cooler. (laughs) So Billy taught me that first thing. So anytime that I get to train with him, it's always it means a lot to me just because he was the guy who brought me. Shout out to Billy, who we had a lot of fun with. Just best. And uh, yeah, Billy's very good. But there's a lot of really good hardcore dudes, black belts. Matt Dempsey, Matt Dempsey from Horror Show is a Ventura, Ten Planet dude, black belt. It's pretty cool. That's really That's fucking awesome. cool, man. Yeah, it's like it's cool. This is like because Ten Planet is like that that crazy it's just, like it's rogue. Just, well, it's cool because it's like here's a kid who grew up three blocks from us and was like I was in a band with, <clears> and it's like he went up in his own world and came back a black belt. Yo, big, you know, remember Jamila with the hat? For to come to hardcore shows on videotape back in like the end of the nineties. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jamila is an ass kicking brown belt. Yeah, her black belt professor is the most has the most stripes of a female black belt. Wow, and she's a member of Checkmat team. Where's and, that at? Uh, California, like, uh, and she like she's like, oh yeah, you train a lot. I'm like, yeah, three, four times a week. And she's like, sometimes I train like two, two times a day. And I was like, what? She was on the fight to win, dude. She's incredible. I watch her videos. I'm so happy. And this is a girl we grew up with. We recorded the punishment demo in her mom's living room. Yeah. We can never get her to find the videos from all these old school, like yeah, another like you know from our group of friends. It's sick to see Jamila ass kicking him in jujitsu and to shout her out. Jamie, but she Long. couldn't like go with you guys. Oh, she'd you? fucking kill us. No, she'd literally it's kill a me. Girl, nah, get, dude, nah, forget on. about it. She'd kill us. Jamie Long Legs on Instagram. She's an ass kicker. So happy to see her kick ass. Joe, favorite. This is hardcore set <clears throat> and year. Um, oh, you know, I could be whatever the last year's headliner is matters the most to me at times because that's the last benchmark to go off of. Um, other times, it, you know what was a simple time? The first time you guys did Land of Kings. And seeing like that, like, baby, this is hardcore. That's a moment. And that is a constant moment in this is hardcore that you know at some point, besides the year you guys couldn't play and you wouldn't let me put you on anyway. You know, like, Land of Kings is like a constant, like, hearing and seeing everybody on stage. You know, how many epic pictures we have from every time you guys done it. It's like, mm. you have to almost match up. Um, There's so many great sets that it's hard. Just like, you know, what's your favorite kid? What's yeah. your turning point made me, I was tearing up at some point. It was so incredible. It was amazing to raise money and be able to do Inga Dagger, Kid Dynamite, Blacklisted. Like, there's so many good things we've done from this as hardcore. It's hard to pinpoint one because individually they've all touched different parts of me. Mm. Sorry. No, no problem at all. Were there any? I got a question. Go ahead. Were there any like let's just for, don't say Is favorite it, moments, but what was the like a surprise moment that you weren't anticipating that ended up being something like District Nine seven. that you'll that you'll never forget? Something like that. Was there ever a moment like that that you could think of? When you um, <clears throat> fuck, I want to get the band's name right. Uh, it's gonna kill me because I'm gonna say. I'll it. tell you mine. Say it. while you're thinking. Yeah. The first time that I saw Defeater. Was that this is hardcore? Dude, there, there was a band like Defeater from California. They have a three-name band, and it's because I have a million things in my head that I can't remember. They played Killing the Dream. They okay. play early on a day, and it was like one of these sets where the singer's getting tackled, and I was like, wow, I'm actually like insane. Like I knew they were cool, but I didn't see how much it mattered. And I had that moment with Ceremony, because Ceremony was brand new. They played early on Sunday, and they got on, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. These guys are, we should have definitely built these guys later. Like mm-hmm. Ceremonies versus Oracle 2006 had a crazy set. Um, the anytime uh, 2016 incendiary was insane when everybody got on stage. Um, that moment where Trapped Under Rice jumped up 
and did a couple songs uh, in between Maximum Penalty. In 2010 was nuts. There's been just like little moments, like little, like, wow, this is in, like impressively like unreal. First time George played barefoot and we, me and Cracker were like, what the fuck? <laughs> and he's jumping into the crowd, like at the old venue. Um, That's like a thing. Right? Yeah. Like, like always like, yeah. A, well, they a band kinda, who plays barefoot. Yeah, he, got like out bare, like, he got out barefoot. Um, <laughs> you're like cementing wild, yourself as like something fir- different. I'm about to see your fucking feet. Imagine I played barefoot. Oh, one, of them wild, one of them wild 2010 or 11 rival mobs. Rude Awakening playing and 20 Massachusetts kids were in Hawaiian shirts. Like, there's so many little moments where you're like, this is actually at, like outlandish. Like, some of the shit, you know, like, <laughs> and you're just happy. Billy Club last year, it was cool to see people, like, from old and new going nuts. Like, every year there's something that makes me, like, I'm so psyched for this. Yeah. Sand climbing off the PA. Yeah. That's <laughs> so, a crazy dude, moment, man. That's, like, so much that's cool shit. That's a crazy moment right there. Check this question out. Yeah. Could you ask Joe Hardcore if there will be any... If no, if there will be a 20 year punishment reunion this year at This Is Hardcore. Not at This Is Hardcore. Damien lives in the UK. He tattoos in Shipwich at Nine Tiles Tattoo. He has a sundown Koji. He's very happily married. We were really trying to make something happy because our, our 20th anniversary was like two weeks ago. Um, The hard thing is, is at not trying to put yourself on the, the pedestal with other bands. This hardcore is a stage for these kids to kick ass and do their thing. It's bad if I'm putting my own stuff up and like to propel myself. No, it's not enough. It's hard for me to, to do seen. it. I did it with Shadow Rum because Bob's like, I think that would work. Bob and them were like, no, that would definitely work. Are you sure? I don't want to do it. And I'm like, fuck it. You know what? We'll do it. It'll be fun. It'll piss Joe Nunn and them off anyway. It'll be have something to watch on the internet and bitch about. So it was definitely worth to do that. But as a whole, um, punishment would probably be do better. In like a smaller PA hardcore scenario with some of our old friends, Maybe creep records, yeah, like a creep records, something cool. Because <clears throat> it, it matters to records. a few. I don't think it matters to enough to take up the space that this hardcore has. Okay, Richie, what that just popped something in my head. I said, wait, we're gonna have a twenty year anniversary coming up for what? For Wisdom and Chains, yeah. Oh wait, no wait, that will be next year. Next year, next year, yeah, Mama Luke. Hold on one second, let me see what that is. Chris is like, oh fuck. September. Chris is thinking about going home and slitting his wrist when he just heard that. Chris, listen, <laughs> September eleventh, two two thousand twenty one is a Saturday. That's when we recorded. Wow, that's literally the first. That's when day I almost fucking died. Yeah. So let's do right now, Joe. Book us a show. Done. Philadelphia, September eleventh. What if it's like a Tuesday? It's a Saturday. I'm oh, looking at it right now. Oh, right. Saturday, September eleventh, two thousand one. Wisdom and Chains twenty year anniversary show in Philly. Done. Church. Boom. Oh, the Creep Records. Church. I right, check this out. Sickness. This is a question. This is a guy from Detroit, obviously. Oh. This is a question for Joe Hardcore. I'm coming in from Detroit for this is Hardcore, and I you already take a left got my and a right. No. I already got my Airbnb and my rental car booked. When the fuck are tickets going on sale? Ha ha, no for real. Where's the best cheesesteak? And should I waste my carbs on federal donuts? I don't Can't wait, y'all, Ooh. and get Auntie up on the bill. Number one, federal donuts. I don't personally like it, but some people... heard of that shit. It's all right. And I say, no biggie. White people love donuts, man. Is that the place in that <laughs> Reading Market? They got a couple places. Terminal? They got a couple spots now. 
Because I've been at a donut place. I just don't cap right. up donuts that much, Me man. It's, like, not, it's a fucking donut. It's dough. Yeah. Um, Cheesesteak, though. You know what's up. Tickets will probably be on sale end of April, beginning of May. We're still deciding on the announce date. We're still billing the bill. So without having the bill complete, we cannot have the announce date. Okay. Makes sense. And um, my favorite current cheesesteak, because I live close, is Delasandro's. My oh. personally all-time would be either John's Roast Pork in South Philadelphia or in Kensington at Lucky's at Kensington Lehigh. Lucky's is the big ass cheesesteak. It's a big one. ass cheesesteak. And listen, it ain't all there, but you got to be there to hang out. You see a lot of sketchy shit. That's in your a 24 hour joint. Yeah, it's just the best. If you're going to be there to hang That's out, in the hood. sketchy shit, hood shit. That's where I almost saw you die. Oh, yeah. I got, I got T boned. Yeah, and when Rick to Life was still a good person, he chased the guy. <laughs> yeah. Following his oil trail. <laughs> okay. Delisandro's. I agree with Joe on that, with that one. And uh, he said, get Anti up on the bill. You're familiar with Antioch? I am familiar. I've actually been okay. hit up a bunch by different, uh, not members of Antioch, but I, uh, ma- there's a serious Antioch uh, super pack growing. <laughs> I have a super pack. The same guy has another question, I see. Yeah. <laughs> another question. Antioch's a hard man. Yeah, hard if man. you guys run out of questions, ha, ha, ha. I'm staying at the corner of Brown Street and Franklin in an Airbnb. Best late night after the fest spot to eat. El Camino. And what's the weed policy? No weed policy in there. But El Camino is that close? You can walk there. El Camino. I like El yeah, Camino. It's close. Perhaps. I like the vegan wings there. I don't I don't care. They're good. They're, they're actually good. really good. I just like, don't like the word. Yeah. You know, we could say I don't like the wings. word. Why is Joe Hark where's the question? Why is Joe Harker the worst at answering or returning text messages? That's true? I don't think that's true. Wow. That's true at all. Who said wow. that? Should I blow up a spot? Who said Who's it? that? This is a guy named Zach Barona asked that. This guy will hit me. If there's a nap that I'm taking, this guy's nap. And this guy hit me a nap. Oh, he's all right. They hit me when we were going to go to. I texted about. I was tweeting about Angelo's. And he said, you really want to go down there? The problem was, is I was in the middle of something. I took the nap. I woke up and I realized it was downtown traffic. Okay. I love Zach Barone more than I love cheese, butter, bread. He's a beautiful man. That's a big deal. <laughs> Damn. I'm sorry that I'm sorry, Zach. I'll never do it sorry, again. Zach, yeah. You're now top one. He's a sensitive texting. guy. What is he? Yeah, he's sensitive. He's probably a, a Pisces. All right. Joe Hardcore, can you give us any This Is Hardcore hints? We will have a band do a 40th anniversary of their first record, and this is the first time they're playing the East Coast. What? Anniversary? Yes. No, you won't. Yes, I will. There's only one band I can think of. I'm Don't, not going to say it. No. But they're, they're playing. I, I can give you um, secrets. I can, I can speak on this hardcore and the state of this hardcore, which is his own secret. I worked FYA. For Bob, he is the best human being after Richie Crutch to me. Ah, Bob, I beat your ass. <laughs> um, Bob is my protege, and I never went to FYA because Richie shamed him on air about not sending me down yeah. there. Yeah, you did. Last time I was here. Oh, What's wrong shit. with you, Bob? You're going to fly him out? <laughs> did he fly you out? Yeah, he flew me out. Good, it was nice. Good. So uh, nice, I break my hand at the after show, or the first show. I hang out at a goth night, and I work the door God and help night. him out. We get there at 9 a.m. At 10 o'clock at night, Madball's done playing. So I was only there 11 hours and I'm bitching. This has been having a fucking day and they're like, don't even talk. Yeah. This hardcore is so fucking nerve. long. <laughs> <laughs> so I changed this hardcore. Oh, yeah? It's totally changed. Friday night is going to be at Underground Arts. Couple bands. I love it. I was just at Underground Arts on Friday. Friday. Yeah, you were there for Jizzy. Didn't even tell you where you were going. I actually would have left the house. It was sold out. I you probably could have got right Yeah, in. I could have juiced in there. Come on, I gotta walk right in. So anyway, uh, Friday night, Prince Hall. Friday night is Underground Arts. 
Saturday and Sunday is at the Electra Factory. First band is at one. The headliners will go on at 9 p.m. both days. Wow. I am officially listening to the masses. We're not going to have this thing run all damn night and be too late. There will be after shows. We're going to have a dance party, the whole the whole gimmick and all that. For the late night owls. But we are no longer going to have the fucking the four-day marathon all day, all night. You guys win. I was wrong. I'm sorry. I run. I have severe ADHD. So if I'm active, time flies for me. And as long as I have something to do... I don't feel tired. And like, you know, I get up at 7 a.m. I'm at the venue by 8. I'm there till 2.30 in the morning. I don't feel tired. I wake up four and a half, five hours later, get up and do it again. I do it four days in a row. That's how I run my life. So I don't ever like, oh, man, I've been here all day. It goes so fast for me. I didn't realize what a regular person went through. Did you say the headline was going to be at 9 o'clock? 9 o'clock. Saturday and Sunday. Wow. 14 bands on Saturday, 14 bands on Sunday. How is that even possible? Because I'm the man. That's what we're going to wow, do. 9 o'clock. That's it. I think 9.15, actually. It's actually the yeah. technical, but, you know, just, yeah, I think it's like 9.15. Wow, dude. So the show will be over by 10, 15, 10.30, yeah. and then. And we'll have other shows, but I'm sorry for wow. all the years of stretching it out so long. You don't have to apologize, man. I Everybody just, fucking loved it. We started back when. Obviously, they love it. We started back when more was better. Um, I think our tickets are going to be somewhere around 38, 40 bucks. I think the weekend might be 75 or two. And then the Friday will be ticketed by itself just because the two venues use different ticketing and it's a whole thing. So like it's, nice. it's still going to be a whole weekend of shows, but we've truncated because so many people have asked us like maybe less is more and seeing the way that the other festivals go and everybody seems to like two days instead of four. We're there. You win. I tapped now, out. Per- Tapping out. Tap. tap. Out of a hundred percent. Yeah. How deep are you into the completion of this is hardcore? In booking, I'd say more than 50, and all the other stuff I'm trying to do is 30. Okay. So you got so, a ways to go. So an aggregate of 45%. Okay. <laughs> you know, there's some shit I'm doing that we haven't done before involving outside entertainment. We're working on different sponsors and a different setup, and then because we're not doing as much on the backyard, we still have to figure out how to set everything up on Saturday morning. And a lot of it also, the, the venue doesn't own the parking lot. And we were having a problem last year making sure the parking lot was available for Friday night. And with food trucks coming and with tables that paid for three days, they deserve to make sure they're getting what they're paid for. So I didn't want to run into a situation where last minute we just say, hey, we don't have the parking lot. Like last year, we ran into the problem getting the tents over the bridge in time because mm-hmm. the, the, the tents live at Cracker's house in New Jersey. So being a good business understands that sometimes you can't take people's money and not give them what they are paying for. And we luckily the, the vendors are if we trust our Friday night, but I don't want to run into the same problem and not have that back lot on Friday night. Yeah. So to avoid that problem, we're just not doing it till Saturday. It's crazy to think they don't own that lot, right? It's just the way that they bought the business yeah. and all that stuff. So it's a, it's, it's more and less at the same time, more shit. You're not going to be as tired. There's going to be that long Friday. I mean, Friday, the first band goes on a five, Fuck, I think Code Orange was done at like 11.45 last week. It was a lot. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot. I just try to give... I, I'm sorry. I just try to always give people what punk rock style. Like, oh, you pay this much, you should get a lot what you're worth. Yeah. But apparently people want less, so we'll give them less. Fuck them. Nah. Is there any benefits to a long show with a lot of bands and people are tired? Is there any benefit to that? People, drinking. People show up at 7 p.m. for bands. If you make people show up at 2 p.m. to bands. So, you know, different people come at different times. And 
again, because I wasn't an end user for so long, I was oblivious to some of these things. And ultimately, it always seemed to work. But like, you always want to make these things as comfortable as possible for everybody. Mm. So if everybody's chill and good with this, that's how we're going to do it from now on. So Rich just brought up drinking. Does that... Is that something that you need personally as a promoter? Do no. you need the people there drinking? No, Does that, I have no. T- to have I have a no, relationship with the club. I've or? never had. I've I in the history of me booking shows, three times ever, and I may say three specific shows where money from the bar ever inf- involved my door. I do straight door deals. I either rent the venues out, or I have to pay X amount of money, or we have a door cost and a split with the venue and me. But I don't ever touch the, the the venues bar. It's a world I don't even like to be involved in. I hate it actually. But the the venue probably would be interested in. Yeah, label. our deal our deal isn't centered around the drinking, yeah. so it doesn't really affect me. Yeah. Very good. And uh, yeah, I was at uh, I saw Jizza at Underground Arch. He was Best doing place. Liquid Swords with a live band. Yeah, I saw, I saw that. some video. It sounded they amazing. Sounded so good. He's he's an actual performer, so he what can a pull weird that off. crowd! Yeah. What a weird crowd! Everyone yeah. loves that record. Like like that purple cassette Walmart crowd. Yo. Yeah yeah yeah. Not too many brothers came out. Nah, I was probably the only one. Like one of nah. the only ones there. <laughs> but uh, though he sounded great. I should have hit you up. That's okay. I got in so late. It's. I saw the Instagram. I was like, ah, no problem. You Zach me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And I ate at Frankfurt uh, Hall. Yeah, before. I saw. That's what I saw. I'm like, ooh. A wiener schnitzel. Yeah, Not beautiful. Bad. All right, guys. You went through a lot of questions. Fucking and amazing, always man. Always great to have Joe here. Maybe get you in closer to the fest. We'll love, we'll love it. Or if you just have any bullshit to say and want to hang out anytime, you know. Because you're not oh, working right now because your hand, right? This is my last week before I'm back to work. Awesome. Hand is rehabbed. Great. Uh, special announcement. Richie and I, via Fast Break, are going to be putting out Chicago's MH Chaos. We're working on some other releases as well. That's great. I don't That's know. A, I want to put them on the map. This is a cool young band, bro. Cool bro, young band. I'm telling you. <laughs> they just got that fury of like the old style, young kid positivity. I had a broken fucking hand and I was watching them. This was the moment for me where I had the mosh to prevent injury from someone hitting me. Like where I was standing, <laughs> defensive. And, like, I was like, all nice. right, if I don't start hitting somebody, someone's gonna fuck me up, and that made me so happy. And they played awesome that Saturday, and then they headlined the after show at like Sunday night in a small place, and it was still dangerous. And I'm like, God, I love these fucking dudes, and they're humble as shit. Me and Richard be hanging out at the Rumble. Yeah. See them at the Rumble in Chicago. Yep. And when is that? That's in May, right? May. Was it first and second or second and third? I think it's first and second. Yeah, first and second. Mushmouth is playing. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're PA is gonna invade, hang out the weekend. I'm trying to angle it so I can go to Rumble this year. Really? Yeah. Cool. Which is out of the box for me, but I'm trying to go attend a show that I'm not playing. And uh, yeah, I've a really far one too. Yeah. But yo, two, I think it'll be a fun one. Yeah. Two years ago, I said to Joe, "What do you think about jujitsu, man?" And Joe was like, "Man, I love it, man. If I can go, I go like three, maybe four times a week." And I looked at him, me like scared that I'm like man it's a lot of time and now like my life sucks if I've only gone three times a week in yeah. we, talked, a, you, we talked at the rumble when Shadow Rome oh. and Wisdom played about my like getting ready to start jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. and wow, so I, that's around the time I, I got a fucking concrete burn on my knee because remember when you guys were filming Already Dead mm-hmm. 
Jared and Pete were like, how come you're not rolling? I'm like, look at my fucking knee. And Jared's like, don't be putting that knee on my mat. Like, let that <laughs> shit. I had a concrete burn on my knee. My wife had already bought me the gi, but it was so nasty. I was like, oh, he's like, don't be putting no fucking knee like that on my mats. Wait till you healed. Wow. So it took me like six more weeks for it to scab over and heal enough to start going. But because of my conversation with Joe after everything had so happened, put me into like, I've got to do this now. Joe says it's great. It changed things. Like, so Man, Joe, Joe, you helped Joe Harkin lose sixty-five he pounds. Did. He absolutely did. Fucking and yo, awesome, and man. already Love that video. It. We got a new video. Best. That's right. Do you like it, Joe? Do you like it? So you know that movie yeah. put that song into my head forever. Pee Wee Herman movie. Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. My wife and great, I were coming home movie. for a ten-year anniversary hang in New Jersey, uh-huh. and I put it on. She had never heard the song before on the bridge, and the next day you guys came out with that. I'm like, no way. Same fucking song. It's like. <laughs> She's like, I don't remember this in the movie. I'm like, they're going through the movie lot and they're on the car. She's like, I don't remember. And I'm like, what the fuck? I can't believe you don't remember this. Like, one of the coolest 1980s rock songs of all time. It's classic moment. Yeah, I do love that song. So seeing you motherfuckers do that, and I remember you guys hit me up like, hey, blah, 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 we're going to do this thing, and seeing all the, the script. We had to ask if people were all right yeah, with us. Yeah, it was so cool. It was so cool. Yeah, it was fun, man. It was like a, you know what? It's like, <laughs> I, I mean, it. In my to, in my memory, this is basically like Richie's idea. Yeah, Dave Calls had a lot to to do with making it like yeah. you know look cool, but this is like a Richie idea. So I wanted Richie to do gets something the credit do for it, having something. Film everything and do it one day. Yeah, you and I mean? and it's 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 so easy, but so like unique and original at the same it. time. I love it, and it's a really fucking cool idea. And we've been getting some just crazy feedback from it. It's too bad we can't really like. Well, I mean, I mean, it, it, people are watching our band play on a video, so it is beneficial. But it's like, of course, yeah. It's, Sometimes it's just, you just a gotta way to do keep, cool shit. Yeah, yeah, just be in the conversation. It's like you, gotta do cool shit. you gotta have faith. Blew them up. Yeah, but they made um, a shitload of money off of that, you know. But also, we were talking about Fast Break putting out that album. We're also gonna do a Wisdom and Chains Sharp Shock Split Seven Inch. Wow, that's also coming out, and then eventually Enemy Mind. But they're working. Yeah, they're still Mike working. from Enemy Mind has two months of not being let on his foot. From yeah. breaking his foot in London. Wow. I talked to him on the phone Poor today. Guy. Can't put any pressure. You got to get an old man chair for the shower. What? What's, what is he the broke, actual? He broke them little bones. You know, them weird little bones, and they had to put all the shit to fix it. Oh so God. he can't put pressure on his foot for two months. And then what's next after that? A boot? I think he's just going to have to, like, he's going to have, like, a yeah. dead chicken leg. Yeah. <laughs> he's losing his fucking mind because he's a biker. He gets in this, like, crazy mountain bike and goes all over the hills. And he's oh, like, he yeah. can't oh, do any of that. Those and it's like, love that dude, shit. and it's like the perfect time, like springtime, like him and Stickman should just be out there chasing each other on GoPros. Uh, real quick, we have Philly Hardcore Shows, which is phillyhcshows.com or philly-shows.com that has all of our shows. At the end of May, there will be three separate shows, at, at one at Voltage, two at the church. So we're doing a th- special three-day pass. Besides that, there's the Philly Hardcore Shows, Unity Barbecue. It's a PA Hardcore thing. In Sellersville. The home. That's where you should try to go. The home of the Blood for Blood drama show. Wow. Bob got the show back, which is also the home of the Hoods in the Woods fight with 18 Visions Hoods against the whole hall. Yeah. $2 before the first band at the end of April. But uh, we're doing a lot of crazy shit this summer. We're doing a lot of crazy shows. Creep Records. There's a band called Moscow Death Brigade. 
Yeah, yeah we played with guys. them. Yo, yeah. we're booking them in Philly. That's sick. I'm That's trying great. to get some bands to play. Uh, yo, those are the coolest guys. Yo, the twin brothers, right? Yo, yeah, I, I don't know any. I just see them as ski they're masks. Nuts. Yeah, the twin yeah, brothers. Big, fr- big shout out to Freddie Mabel. He says, like, yo, can you look out? So they're playing Philly. They're playing New York. We're doing them. I'm just happy that we can still do shows. I'm happy that you let us be on this podcast. And I think this article 2020, if nothing else, is going to be fucking awesome. Hell yeah. Yeah. So thank you guys. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening, everybody. Post America podcast at gmail.com and post America podcast on uh, Instagram or at post America podcast. Right. How's it work, Chris? I don't know. Whatever. Post America podcast on Instagram. And if you got a question, comment whatever you want to say something to joe you want to retort you want to battle post america podcast at gmail.com thanks for listening we'll talk to you soon peace thanks a lot for listening we really appreciate it post america podcast will always be there for you don't forget that tune in next time for more fun with the boys until then Get your fucking ass out of here before I give you a smack, motherfucker! Who the fuck you think you in? This is Post America! You ain't shit, motherfucker!